0: is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily
1: with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Hustler-Patterson along with Michael Remus. Lots to get to after the Jets' first win of the season last night and the return of fans for regular season hockey down at Canada Life Centre. We've got lots coming up. Ed Tate's going to join us teeing up Bombers, Lions tomorrow at Investors Group Field. And Murata Tesh of the Athletics is going to join us a little bit later on to uh, discuss the Jets' first win of the season, the current state of the club, missing Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler, and a look ahead to tomorrow's game against the Nashville Predators. Uh, as always, can't do this without our wonderful family of sponsors. A big thanks to Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Boston Pizza, Not Autocorp, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our friends OGs from the start, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, and of course, Cool Bet Canada as well. Um, well it was great to get back, great to see so many of you that uh, popped by and said hi last night. Let's say hi to Michael Remus and get this thing going for a Friday afternoon here in Peg City. What's up, Remo? How are you? Uh, doing good. I'm just in feeling really great about last night's
3: uh, Jets game, great to be back in a Almost full building, but yeah, that was that was definitely a fun time. What's going on? How's that mic? How's that yeah, mic I got So, is it? Can you hear me? So, I I set this thing up earlier this week, and like the day I got it, I snapped the USB cord. So I'm just uh, making sure everything works. So I put in a new one yesterday. It's good to go now.
2: Um, you know, so much to get to from last night's game, but you know, you mentioned the crowd, and first off, I have to say. What is it? It's been 591 days since uh, we'd last been in Canada Life Centre for a regular season Winnipeg Jets game. And, you know, I, I, I went with a good friend of mine last night to the game who uh, is also a healthcare care worker um, and was at one of the playoff games against Montreal. Now, obviously, the games were somewhat forgettable, the result, the situation with the club and all that. But, you know, hearing his perspective on being in the building last night, even short of a sellout, and we'll get to that in a bit, as opposed to what it was like in that eerie eerie series against the Habs in the playoffs with uh, you know 500 people that had been you know helping our community through a crisis um was um anyways it was just great to be back last night it was great to see everybody it was great to see the excitement of fans and i know there was some angst amongst jet fans about the start of the team o2 and 1 coming back home compounded by the loss of mark shifley and blake wheeler going in um, but I'll tell you what, uh, I think in the stands, it was a great night. And most importantly, Remus on the ice, it was a great night. And there's a ton of positives coming out of last night. Whether we want to talk about the performance of Connor Hellebuck, um, players like Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois stepping up in the absence of the Jets captain and assistant captain. Um, but it, it really was one of those team wins that um, they absolutely needed. Um, God knows, I didn't want to be talking about a team that was o three and one going into tomorrow night's game on the show today. Um, but you know, a lot of guys stepped up, and and that was exactly what I think people were hoping to see last night. And certainly from Coach Paul Maurice's perspective, I think he saw a lot from some new looks, some new players playing together that give him some more options going forward. Depending, of course, on how long Schaefer and Wheeler are out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There was a lot of
3: uh, a lot of positives. Um... Donnie boy has, starts off. Where is your two cuss? I know. All right. I, I know that it's next year. We can get to that. We'll get to that. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. I don't want to side get sidetracked, although it's really easy to uh, reading, <laughs> reading this chat. But yeah, last night, you know, we were looking for Dubois to step up and I think he's been off to a great start. Him and it's funny, him and Patrick Laine had such miserable seasons after they got traded. Uh, Laine did score the OT winner again yesterday. But Pierre-Luc Dubois with a very nice tip in. He's got uh four points, three goals, one assist. Uh Kyle Connor throwing in, you know, the empty netter and the what was it, the the post empty netter, you know, add on goal for the second of the game. But they did have that really nice passing play with Dubois and Svechnikov. Um Nikolai Ehlers, you know, didn't Uh, He he hasn't gone on the score sheet. I'll get to that, but I thought he looked good. Andrew Kopp pulling in. One thing that stood out to me early on, uh, Josh Morrissey, all of a sudden, this season has developed some kind of one-timer. I saw it in the preseason, and I was like, okay, you know what, he, there he is, ripping one-timers. And he scored a power play goal the other day, and it was a pretty, I don't want to say it was a nothing shot, but it was nothing by nothing in compared to the goal he scored yesterday on a tee, slapper, uh, in the back of the net behind Gibson. Uh, I think that adds another dimension, and it seems like he does have that power play. So I uh, got off to a, a rocky start, Huss. I mean, they take a penalty. We've talked about how bad the penalty kill has been, and they score on the first one. And there were, some, to be honest, there were some other uh, penalty kills by the Jets, which were atrocious. Like stuck on their own end for two minutes while the Ducks are teeing off and Hellbuck's making save after save. But Hellbuck uh, showed that he's still the guy we thought he was, and the team can can put p- p- pucks past John Gibson. He wasn't making all the crazy saves like it was in the first one, but I mean it was it was great to be back again. I think it was about being back in the building getting the first win, and uh, those guys stepping up.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I I totally will echo your thoughts on Morrissey. And, I mean, it it is a great, great thing for the team. I mean, there was some legitimate concern about Morrissey after the couple seasons that he's had. Um, But I think as we've talked about extensively on this program, uh, a big part of it was his usage, who he was playing with. Um, and I think he's just in a much better situation right now for him to succeed personally. That'll of course help the hockey club. And when we talked, we'll get to this with Murata a little bit later on and, uh, Josh through the first four games, um, because he had a nice sort of counter to Dom Lississian of the athletic who said that Josh Morrissey was essentially a replacement level player. I think most of us that watch him on a daily basis know that he's much more than that. Certainly has been more than that at times. Um, and has been that so far this season. But I'll tell you what, Rima, speaking of the of the defense core, um, big game for Nate Schmidt. And Nate Schmidt, I thought, um, you know, he's had some ups and downs so far in the season. I mean, the giveaway that he had in the first goal uh, that led to the Minnesota first goal was unfortunate in the last game. Um, but I think we saw... A lot of the things that he brings to the table that the Winnipeg Jets have needed, um, including that beautiful snap pass on one of the goals, obviously being a big part of the, uh, the PLD goal early on to get the team back into it. Um, Really liked his game. And while we're talking about the PK, I know Nate Beaulieu is much maligned around these parts and you know, Hey, he's the seventh defenseman Um, numbers with the situation with Shifley and Wheeler dictated that he was in the lineup last night and uh he got absolutely robbed. Did you tell me off air that he was only credited for one blocked shot in the game last night? Cause he had two or three on that same shift. And uh, tell you what, it was cool to see a guy like that, get a chance to get into the lineup and, uh, and contribute and help a team win, especially on the PK where they'd been struggling um, and, and, as you just mentioned, it didn't start off very well for the PK unit last night. Yeah, again, I was kind of worried. Here we
3: go again. Better, if they want to win this game, better stay out of the box because they've been pretty good at five on five. But special teams, uh, penalty kill, um, hasn't been, I mean, hasn't been great this season. I mean, there's no other way to put it. But Nate Beaulieu, I mean, he was uh, pretty impressive. Um you know, you can debate whatever you want, you know, if like you're a guy, I mean, hey, if you're blocking shots, it means you never have the puck, right? That's what all the analytics people say. But the way that he stood in front of some of those shots over repeated, That's how
2: penalty kill works, guys, repeatedly. sometimes you don't have the puck.
3: <laughs> yeah, he stood in repeatedly and he would get hit. He's like, oh, well, I'm just going to go block another one. I'm like, man, this guy is completely fearless. Uh, it was pretty uh, incredible to watch and. The fact, and I joked on Twitter. I'm like, oh, he's trying to go for uh, Eric Tangradi's te- unofficial team record of block shots in a shift. But to see him only get credited with one, someone tweeted that at me. I was like, what are these guys watching? He definitely had had more than one shot block. That's insane. So yeah, that was uh, that was impressive, impressive to watch.
2: Hey, uh, shout out Theo Seegers. Thanks for the super chat. Hockey God, Jeff Finger, blessed us with a win. Not really sure what that's in regards to, but... Uh, people Theo, were we, talking we, about Jeff Finger
3: in chat earlier this week, saying how uh, like, <laughs> some player on the Jets, they gave him a contract. It was like Jeff Finger. I was like, what are you talking about, man? That was <laughs> Oh, I think they, people were saying, you know how like when they signed... Je- I don't, now I'm getting really off topic. You know how they signed Jeff Finger... And like they thought it was like a different guy or something. Yeah, so
2: yeah, they, exactly. They signed the wrong guy. And gave yeah, him three and a so half million are,
3: for four years. People are saying, you know, because they're putting Riley Nash on the power play, they thought it was uh, actually Rick Nash. And I'm like, well, <laughs> they gave him a one-year deal, not a multi-year deal. <laughs> uh, speak, I just wanted wanted to bring up one thing too. Um, I'll, I said I was going to get this. Well, Andrew Kopp, when he scored again, I, said, I think he's second on the team in points right now. He's got a couple goals. And I mean, there were two guys on this team. Uh, I think got... Ripped in the chat all summer. Pierre-Luc Dubois, everyone says he needs to be better. I mean, he looked good um, the last couple of games and last night. I mean, he's big. He throws weight around, went, goes to the front of the net, um, put that puck in. I'm very happy to see the success he's having. But Andrew Kopp, guy can't fit We hear this all summer. Guy can't finish. He's not a top-line player. Um, he has no hands. I mean, he's second on the team in points right now. He's a point-per-game player. He's playing on the top line. He actually led the team in minutes yesterday oh you know that was just a tap in hus so it was all nate schmidt who did the pass and cop just lucky to have his have his stick there <laughs> but he he had a gorgeous tape. he's playing great and um i i just i think uh you know he's really his guy who stepped up as well one guy who's got zero points uh nikolai ehlers i don't know how um i'm blaming his teammates uh on this one he's too <laughs> nikolai ehlers he's too good um, he's, every time he finds a guy open, you're like, the teammate is probably just like, how did this pass even get to me? I mean, he found Brandon Dillon somehow, um, you know, the guy completely missed the net. That's not Eeler's fault. Uh, he was, I love seeing him on the power play passing to Kyle Connor. I mentioned that yesterday. I don't know. Ehlers is finding guys with passes. Maybe you'd like to see him go to the net a bit more, but, uh, I do, I think it's going to come and it'll come uh, in bunches for him. So I'm not. I don't
2: know Is anyone worried about Ealers zero points? Don't don't worry don't worry about Ealers they're uh yeah the yeah. wrong R Nash. There's a whole sort all sorts of nonsense going on in the chat right now, but uh I, I'm here for all of it. Uh Mitch WHT, I think Cop has had two good games in a row. Absolutely he has. Um I, I think Cop's elevation to uh you know the line in the absence of Wheeler, um, and then really stepping up last night with another new look. And he spoke about it after the game when he uh, met the media along with Kyle Connor that, I mean, he's been on essentially a different line each and every day. And this is some of the vers- like the versatility that Andrew Kopp brings to the club. Um, and why, if he's not with the team next year, uh, it'll be a big loss. But he's got a lot to play for right now. He's in a contract season, and he's getting the opportunity to really help this team um, where they need it. And that's in a number of different spots. So um, I've got a lot of time for Cop's game right now. And I guess the other guy we should talk about and get to it right now, Remus is Kyle Connor and uh KFC nearly had an empty netter, ended up getting one and then scoring again at the end. Um, and it did, it did lead to one of the more infamous fan moments in Winnipeg Jets history, 2.0, frankly, or 1.0, the two goal hat trick. Um, any thoughts on how that transpired last night and why? And for those of you that are asking, I've got it right here. No, I was not throwing his thing on. Not that I, I mean, I could have guessed it to have done without it. Um, but I do have it just to prove to you that I did not throw the on afterwards. Uh, what was all that about? Yeah, I was, I was
3: there too. I was like, oh no, I, well, he scored the second one. And like normally, when the Jets have five goals and you're scoring two goals, like one's an empty net and one's the post empty net goal, you know. Remember like Andrew Cops fourth. I think everyone just assumed that he had um, he had three. I mean, I was sitting there. I didn't have the you know you don't know the stuff. I wasn't looking at the box
2: score. Well, like Maurice, I'm like, wait a second did did I miss something? I was yeah. not aware that I was he like, was on the verge of a hat trick. I was like, apparently was, he was.
3: Yeah, I was like, was he? Did he score? Have one before? I mean, he was on the ice for the great. He assisted on the Dubois goal, but I was like, "Do I have to throw my hat?" Because I had a really nice hat. I didn't want to throw it. I was also in the upper deck and it wouldn't have reached. But people—it just takes one person. People started throwing their hats, and um, <laughs> you're exactly right. People—it just took one, and they're like, "Okay, well, maybe." Sure, I must was. have missed one. I mean, Let I it rip. <laughs> the fact that it was a two giveaway night, I think probably was contributed as well. I know Kyle Connor said after the game that the rumor was uh, that people didn't like the tuxes. So, you know, it's a bit bit of a scud, as you would say, thrown at <laughs> the arena namesake sponsor, Canada Canada Life, Life Center. Right there, right there. So people are showing what maybe that people saying, "Hey, we know we <laughs> wanted a better giveaway." Uh, <laughs> they had no problem throwing it throwing it away. So I don't. Or people were just happy to be in the building and they wanted to celebrate. I there are a number of, of reasons we could. We could go with that. So um, I don't know. I don't know. What you, Gregory on Twitter and caller number one was saying it's like the he most, was hot. He was. He was saying it's the most embarrassing moment in <laughs> Winnipeg sports history. Which I was like,
2: I thought it was funny. Like I don't, I don't really care. Like Greg's our guy. Sometimes uh, somewhat prone to hyperbole, but um, I mean, listen, a lot of people had some fun with it, and. Um, so and I'll say this, I don't know whether you were going to plan to wear this toque if you were at the game last night, what your plans for it, but keep it. Because this this piece of uh, of, of fan memorabilia will always be synonymous with the toque trick, the two-goal hat trick oh. for Kyle Connor so you think, last night so in you the think- Jets first win of the season. There's, so
3: now you're, what you're saying is this toque is actually more rare and it's worth more because you kept it during the toque trick. Well, it's yeah, the official two thousand of them
2: ended up on the ice.
3: Yeah, toque <laughs> trick toque. So, so uh I'll have to get mine. Maybe we can we can wear them now. With although I, Canada Life isn't a sponsor, so I don't know if if we should wear them then.
2: Well, you know what? We'll we'll take care of our own first. But um, yeah, as I, will... I said. Hold on to these. You'll you'll never know. Hey, shout out to Mike Wynn. Mike, my guy, the, uh, the, I referred to him last night on Twitter as the patriarch of the first family of Winnipeg sports fans. Mike was there. That was just one of the great things about last night. And, you know, I felt the same way, uh, at the bomber Ticat game, when we raised the banner, getting back into these places where we've spent so much time as fans, seeing friends that we hadn't seen a long, in a long time. And, uh, All those familiar faces in 316. The Jets Pope was a couple rows behind me last night. Um, It was uh, it was really cool. But Mike uh, Mike's been everywhere too. Was at the Ice Game. Was at the Bison Game. We'll be at the Bomber Game tomorrow. Um, And again, I'm not going to get too triggered about the fact that we have to choose between our two teams tomorrow. Um, But uh, definitely heading into a very busy, busy few days for winnipeg uh, winnipeg sports fans um remote we're gonna get to ed tate we're gonna talk bombers big news on andrew harris heading to the six game ir uh, we'll do that and again we'll kind of get back to more jets talk with marana tesh a little bit later on um jets we're practicing basically is uh, finishing up as we uh, we went we'll see if we can get to paul Maurice a little bit later on but i, I do want to talk about connor hellebuck and um you know, I'd said the last couple of days, don't worry about Honor. I mean, of all the the list of concerns right now, he was at the bottom. But I'll be honest, that first goal win in last night, you thought, oh, you know, combination of the penalty kill, an early one on Helibach." But man, the way he bounced back, that is the guy that's been the backbone of the Winnipeg Jets success for the last number of seasons. They needed it. He delivered for it last night. And I got to tell you, I think the last game that we were at, I'm not sure if this was, was the March 6th, 2020 game against Vegas, uh, where he was the first star went out and did the fishing rod celebration. Um, It was so cool to see him back out first star again last night, soaking up the adulation, getting back into the wind column and uh, um it's such an easy guy to cheer for, especially when you know what he's done for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but he had a lot of emotion last night in the win and uh, tell you what he stepped up in a big big way for a team that really needed it last night.
3: yeah, I, I agree with you you know there were questions about Hellbuck you, you speculated here. Um, you know, was he feeling the after effects of COVID or is he no longer the goalie we thought he was? And man, he made some real strong saves, especially when the Jets, there was that one shift where they like tried five times to clear the zone and they couldn't get it out. And I mean, even on those penalty kills when they were, you know, hammering away over and over, Hellbuck stood strong. He made a lot of, you know, great saves with his pads uh, along the ice, you know, stopping him. So uh, I mean, that's kind of what they've relied on on their penalty call the last couple of years. Hellbuck, um, you know, s- saving everything. And he definitely did that yesterday. And, and it, I think it gives you confidence moving forward that they do still
2: have one of the best goalies in the league. Yeah, no doubt. I see Joe Perfetti mentioning season opener for the Moose tonight. Will Perfetti get a Hattie or a Tukey? Uh, we'll see. Stick around, uh, by the way. Big marble race at the end of the program. We've got another Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie with our friends from Canadian Club. I'll put together an I Love Rye package. And we also have four tickets for the Moose home opener tonight. So all of that coming up in a big marble race at the end of the program. We are going to transition from the Jets to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What a week it's been for Kyle Walters. The team's in 9-1 and one right now looking to officially clinch first place in the West with their 6 p.m. game tomorrow night. Uh, We'll do that with Ed Tate in just a second. Before we do that, I want to give a big thanks to Culligan Water for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to have the water experts in Winnipeg on board with us. Um, Celebrating 65 years As the uh, water experts in Winnipeg, the Culligan Man can take care of all your needs for you and your family, including water softeners and filters, whole home drinking systems and drinking uh, water systems, bottled water coolers, bottle-free coolers, water delivery services, and of course, commercial and industrial water options and solutions for your business as well. Find out more at drinkculligan.com or give them a call at 694 5180 They are over at twelve hundred, Sergeant. Our boys at Manitoba Battery ready for the weekend. Um, Big day tomorrow. I mean, great sports fans there. The Maestro, the Godfather, Young Buck. Oh man, it's such a great crew over there. And if you pop in, you'll get the best price on a battery anywhere. Um, $89.50 with Core Exchange. I mean, they get the old battery back or delivered within city limits without even leaving your house. $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the Core is returned. Uh, You can find out more at Manitobabattery.com for everything that they offer uh, because obviously it's not just automotive batteries. But right now, winter is around the corner. Don't be that guy that gets left out in the cold, realizing that you need a battery at minus 35. And uh, Manitoba battery, save you money as opposed to going to a big box store supporting local with the guys over on Logan Avenue. And, uh, man, a lot of cool jerseys last night. Did see a couple newbies, uh, a Nate Schmidt walking around the concourse. If you're thinking about a jersey, Jets fan gear, a bomber fan gear for tomorrow. Pop down to see our friends at Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And in addition there to, uh, you know, the hockey superstore, everything else they've got going on right now, uh, those limited edition new era hats with the Captain Blake Wheeler, the wheel logo, the Biggie Funk, 100% of proceeds going to Cancer Care Manitoba. They are still in stock at Royal Sports. Great cause to support, especially as the captain is on the mend right now dealing with COVID. Pop on down to Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. All right. Let's talk Bombers right now. The class of the league, nine and one. uh, Almost a formality to clinching a home date on December 5th to go to the Great Cup, but Kyle Walters wasn't wasn't sitting on his hands this week. That's for sure. Let's welcome in Eddie Tate from bluebombers.com to the program. Edward, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. How are you, man? Uh, A great, you know, fun night at the rink last night. I was just saying earlier, I mean, I had a lot of the same feelings last night that I did at the opening game of the season against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, with the Bombers and the Ticats. A return to some semblance of normalcy, seeing people we hadn't seen in a long time and, uh, you know, much like we've been doing at IG Field all summer. Uh, since the season started. Got a chance to do it last night with the hockey team, and obviously the result was great. Uh, first win of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. We haven't had to worry about the wins for the Bombers because they've been doing it so frequently. But let's get to the big story of the of the week. I mean, uh, as I said leading in, no sitting on his hands for Kyle Walters. I mean, Sergio Castillo was a huge topic. I mean, the kicking situation. But to, on top of that, Winston Rose and Shaq Cooper... Um, pretty crazy week for kyle walters and it shows that this team is 100 committed to trying to keep this great cup in winnipeg
4: yeah the football operations crew down here has done a good job of uh you know adding to a team like you said husk that's already rolling around the castillo signing was or the trade for castillo was interesting because it really addressed a you know a concern right as much as ali murtada looked okay last week in in edmonton you're bringing in a guy that's uh connected on 91% of his field goals in 2019 with BC and was the CFL all-star. And then the Winston Rose thing, I mean, it's not that it came from left field, but uh, the Bomber secondary has been playing so lights out already this year. It's, you add it to the, it's a nice problem to have category, right? Because now they're going to see once he gets back on the field here, you know where his game's at, and then you got to figure out where you can plug a guy in. And this and that say something about how good your secondary is. That when you add a guy who's another CFL All Star and led the league in interceptions, and you you got to find a spot for him somewhere, or how you fit him into a secondary that's already playing great. That that's a, really is a nice problem to have for the for the Bomber coaching staff.
2: No doubt about it. Well, and I'll say this, and we've talked about this. I'm not sure if you caught it the last couple of days when it was announced that the Bombers had acquired Shaq Cooper. Um, I think it did you know a few bomber fans had their spidey senses tingling that that might be related to Andrew Harris's injury last week and of course the team announced today that he's been put on the six game IR um, but first off what can you tell us about Andrew Harris's situation um, in the short term as well as you know projecting for the playoffs.
4: Yeah, sometimes people get uh, you know concerned when they see the six-game injured thing, thinking that you know, well, if you start to do the math, and as you know, I'm not very good at math, that that takes you <laughs> past the season. Um, but it's really a lot of it's paperwork. It's a, it's related to salary cap. Sometimes you can pull a guy off six game before he doesn't have to to uh, complete the full term on there before he can play again. So it's just more of a precautionary thing. Look, the Bombers have a chance to clinch first tomorrow night. Then they go into a bye. Uh, and if you clinch first, you've got some, you know, not meaningless games, but games that don't, aren't going to affect you in the standing. So I could really see them giving him a, 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 another breather. They have so much faith. That's the other thing. They have so much faith in Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine that you can give uh, Andrew a, a break a bit and make sure he's a hundred percent for when the playoffs starts. So, um, you know, it, it I wouldn't be too concerned about his status long-term and what, whether he would be available for the West final. I think this is, if anything, this, this helps get him uh, uh, better prepared for the West final and, and more healthy.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I get, I mean, what did you make of the Cooper uh, acquisition? I mean, is this essentially insurance right now for a team that, you know, expects to be leaning on their top guys, you know, hard for the great cup?
4: I guess you could call it insurance. It's depth. Uh, you know, let's face it. If, if Brady Oliveira goes down, it will be Johnny Augustine next up. Right. And, and so um, this guy, Michael Shea said yesterday, that he's dynamic. He was electric when he was with Edmonton. Um, and so uh, I'm not sure if this, if I can connect the dots here to, to the Andrew Harris injury. I think this one, they might've been interested in him even if they had been healthy because uh, he's an intriguing piece that uh, as, as coach O'Shea said yesterday, he's uh, electric and dynamic and, you know, it's a nice a nice guy to have in your bullpen, so to speak, as you head down into the playoffs.
2: Uh, Ed, so, I mean, the game tomorrow against BC. Well, listen, what we're talking about, guys, give us the latest on Hardrick. Um, Demarcus Hardrick is such an important player. It looks like he is actually going to be dressed for tomorrow's game, but he's listed behind Pat Neufeld in the depth chart. How do we see the offensive line shaking out for tomorrow?
4: Well, he, he is... Uh he hasn't practiced much all this week. So he's listed behind Pat Neufeld at right tackle. Uh, He might dress, he might be the healthy scratch. They do have Jeff Gray also dressed. Usually they only dress or list six O-linemen dress six on the, on the depth chart this week. There's seven. So uh, that might be a precautionary thing. If Jamarcus can go, I mean, uh, he is the starting right tackle and it means that Pat Neufeld would move inside. And uh, you know, I think that's the best combination the Bombers have up front, but that's going to be one of those ones when we see them run into the tunnel or warming up, we'll know whether Jamarcus is going or not.
2: Yeah. And I, I got to say, I mean, the one thing that came out of last week's game against Edmonton, um, maybe we take Jamarcus Hardwick for granted uh, sometimes. I'm, um, you know, Zach did get hit a couple times, maybe more so than we'd seen earlier in the season. And I mean, I thought Pat Newfeld and the guys that stepped in did uh, did a good job, but you, you Sometimes you need to miss a guy for a game or two to realize just how important he is. And um, let's face it, Ed, right now, we pretty much know what the situation is going into the playoffs. Keeping Zach Caleros upright, healthy and effective, um, I mean, literally is the job right now for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on offense.
4: Yeah. So remember when Jamarcus got hurt a couple weeks ago against Edmonton and Patton? Uh, slipped out to right tackle Aaron to Eli came in to play guard that's that was in the fourth quarter especially when they pounded the football and Andrew Harris finished with 150 yards they had a couple uh fourth quarter touchdowns I thought the line looked really good but then you know you, you're playing Edmonton again they've had a week to prepare they knew that Jim Marcus wasn't going to uh be available so they brought more heat from that side they put some pressure on Patty they gave them some different looks um and you're right let's let's face it the uh, Zach took some shots, and and that's a credit to Noel Thorpe. They've been talking about that for a while, that the Elks defensive coordinator did a really good job. So, uh, again, you're right about Zach. It, it's the you know the concern for everybody at this time of year. We're seeing it in Montreal. When your starting quarterback goes down, you start to, you know, you're, you're maybe rolling the dice with who you have at number two. And I, I, everybody here is big on Sean McGuire, but, if he has to go in, it's he's still sort of an, an unknown uh, commodity, right? And so um, keeping Zach upright will be is of paramount importance. And it's also going to be interesting to see what happens after this if they clinch. I mean, this is a topic that's already come up, but I, I think we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. What do the Bombers do after this if they win tomorrow night? You know, I, I'm not sure if Mike O'Shea is a, a big guy on resting people or – uh, you know, if you only give a guy a quarter, but I still recall, and I'm sure a lot of Bomber fans do, what happened in 2001. <laughs> oh, one. I know where you're you know, going with you this, Eddie. You get it. you you rest guys. Uh, you let another. You let your foot off the gas. Somebody else makes the playoffs and then beat you in the Great Cup a couple weeks later. So um, I'm not sure if Mike O'Shea is aware of that history, but uh, uh, Wade Miller is. I'll walk down the hallway <laughs> and tell him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um well the thing about it is I mean it's one thing if you've got like one game at the end of the season but I mean Ed there's another month left <laughs> I mean yeah that's the weird scenario that the Bombers have been so good um they've taken care of their business there's no one else really challenging them um I mean Michael Chase is going to have some very unique decisions probably decisions he didn't think he'd ever be considering um but his team's earned that opportunity
4: yeah you know I think uh, it's 43 days. So if the bombers clinch tomorrow, it'll be 43 days between that and the and the West final on December 5th. That's an eternity in football, right? To to not play a meaningful game. Um, and then you know, I feel like I have to put the air quotes around meaningful because these guys <laughs> will you know they're not going to be satisfied with 10 and one. They want to finish 13 and one, right? So the you know there's going to there's going to be nobody. Lining up in front of coach O'Shea's office and saying, Hey, can I have this week off since we've clinched? You know, I'd like to, I don't, I'd like to have the week off. No way. And if you said that to coach O'Shea, you know, you'd have to, you might be, you might be warned about that because it uh, might be giving you the, the, here's the apple in a roadmap speech. Like the Matt Dunnigan always talks about, right? You don't. you don't want guys like that around. They all want to play. So it's going to be a very delicate kind of uh, issue for this team to to handle if they get uh, take care of business tomorrow night. And that's what uh, this team will not get ahead of itself in these discussions. So I'm talking about it and I might get slapped upside the head if somebody outside in the hallway hears <laughs> me talking about this right now.
2: Well, I, I can tell you, I have mixed feelings on this. Um, part of me um, thinks, hey, you just want to make sure you've got everyone healthy for the mm-hmm. first playoff game. Um, the other part of me has Zach Calero's 13 to one ticket to lead the CFL in passing. So I want to see him out there as well. So, um, but anyways, it's good problems to have right now. Um, A lot of people asking, there's tons of excitement about Winston Rose coming back. Where does he fit in right now? Ed? I mean, when he's ready to play, is there an obvious spot for him? And I guess part of that, um, the question a few people have asked, what's the status of Josh Johnson Um, and does he project to come back as well?
4: Well, Josh Johnson would be a, a bit down the depth chart now because Alden Darby's done a, a good job uh, at the dime spot where Josh would probably be most apt to play. Um, he's practicing now. Um, it, the, as as to where Winston Rose goes, it's a great question because uh, on the one side, DeAndre Alford and Dietrich Nichols, two rook, CFL rookies, have been outstanding. They're tied for the both of them are tied for the CFL lead in interceptions. And then on the other side, you got Mike Jones and Nick Taylor, two guys that were key in the, in the great cup run in 2019. You know, so uh, Mike Jones has played some dime. Maybe Winston would play one of the corner spots. Um, I don't see them. Well, Brandon Alexander is the best safety in the league. They're not going to mess with that. I don't know if they'll mess with Alford and Nichols on that other side. So uh, maybe uh, Winston gets the corner and somebody moves the dime. Maybe, I, you know, Again, it's the nice problem to have the category, right? Uh, and then, I, you know, we all, the last game I remember Winston Rose playing was the 2019 Grey Cup. He's gone to Cincinnati. You know, he's been through a couple training camps with them. What's he like right now? We got to see, right? Did they ask him? I didn't, can't imagine they asked him to bulk up or anything silly like that, I, you know, but does he still have game? Does he still? You know, that's what they'll have to find out in the the first few practices when they get back to work after the bye.
2: Uh, Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com, getting ready for a 6 p.m. kickoff tomorrow at IG Field with the Bombers looking to clinch the West against the British Columbia Lions. Eddie, what do you make of BC coming into this game? Um, I I can't remember who it was uh, that mentioned this, but it seems like the Bombers, when they've really beaten up teams this year, They've sort of put teams into slumps. It happened to Saskatchewan. It seems like it's happening to BC right now. Um, I mean, they were humiliated by Calgary last week. I mean, 39 to 10. And Calgary only scored one offensive touchdown. Um, You know, this is a team that's right in the middle of it. But I would imagine there's a real sense of desperation for the BC Lions considering their plight right now in the West going into tomorrow night's game here in Winnipeg.
4: Yeah, I remember a couple of weeks ago when, or three weeks ago when Winnipeg went in there, uh, BC was 4-2, and two, and people were talking about you know the, the team atop the division in Winnipeg versus this emerging power that is the Lions. And then the Bombers, like you said, the Bombers went out and stomped all over them, and it started their downward spiral. They lost Lucky Whitehead in that game, which was critical to them. Uh, and, boy, they did not look very good against Calgary last week, as you mentioned. It's a tough crew to get a read on, but – and, you know, you keep leaning on the same thing. You, when you have – Questions about a team, you know. You look at Michael Riley. He's man. He's this, still one of the toughest SOBs in the league, as they say. And you've got Brian Burnham. You've got uh, Zach Claros called TJ Lee in their secondary. That one of the best defensive backs in the league. So um, they're kind of a scary out in a way. Like you know, they've lost three in a row. But I don't. I, I don't think the Bombers should be sleeping on anybody. But especially a team that's got Michael Riley at the controls, because I was looking at his numbers against Winnipeg. He's nine and seven all time against the Bombers. And I think he's got like six 300-yard passing games. So, you know, he has lit up this team before. And they're not too far away from possibly being able to do that again. And the one difference of then versus now is I don't think anybody in this league can block the Bombers front six. I just don't. And And the Bombers had six sacks against BC in Vancouver a few weeks ago. Uh, they could get that number all over again uh, tomorrow night because that, there's nobody that's been able to even play the speed bunt in front of these guys. <laughs> no doubt about it. I
2: mean, that I don't know. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago, and and maybe this is a better conversation set for you know into January, hopefully talking about the end of a real successful season. But you've covered the CFL for a long time, certainly the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for decades. I. I how good is this defense? I mean, what, what's the comparable for them? Because, I mean, each and every time they go out, they seem better than they were before, and, and they've set a pretty high, high bar, Ed.
4: Yeah, so I can throw out all kinds of statistics about, you know, the numbers that they've given up in the in the fourth quarter. They've outscored teams 91 to 6, and, you know, people start talking about teams having given up this few points in a quarter since, you know, 1957 Calgary. or the, You know, they start referencing – teams from the late fifties and sixties, that says all you need to know about what this defense has done statistically. But, you know, I look at that 1990 team and that was the first time I I was covering the team as a beat writer. And that team on defense had, you know, Rod Hill and Les Brown at the corners. It had Daryl Sampson at halfback, Ken Haley at halfback, West battle, Jones, Stan Mikowis, uh, Michael gray. Like they, all those guys, are in the Bomber Hall of Fame or in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And to me, this defense rivals it. That team took the ball away. They got in people's face. They talked a good game. Um, This team is every bit of that and some. And and to me, I don't care about the numbers. You know, that was a a great cup championship team built on defense This is already a great cup championship team built on defense. And I think this defense is better than it was in 2019. Far better. Is there a harder job for the voters than picking out a defensive MVP for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) I I don't have a vote anymore, but if, if, and so there's, there's two parts to that. You know, we can talk about Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and Adam Big Hill. I think that Brandon Alexander deserves to be in the conversation. But then if you pick, a defensive player as the most outstanding, you're obviously picking a defensive player for most outstanding defensive player, but is he a candidate for the team's most outstanding player award too, right? We uh, it's easy to salute Zach Caleros as a, you know, a quarterback that's 13 and one leading the league in passing leading the league in touchdown passes, but your defense has been so dominant. Do they, does the winner of the most outstanding defensive player award on this team also deserve consideration for outstanding player? I think so.
2: Oh, Ed, it's going to be great. Hey, what do you make of this Calgary-Saskatchewan game uh, on the weekend uh, before we go? I mean, we sort of know the play to BC. We've talked about them. They need wins. I'm of the opinion that just the way the schedule breaks out, I don't think that there'll be a crossover right now, which really does make for an interesting battle if you assume that the Elks are done between BC, Saskatchewan, and Calgary. Um, Saskatchewan's sort of reeling. Calgary's on the come up right now. Um, this, this game will have that final game of the triple header on Saturday night. is going to have some real playoff vibes, I think, to it because of the, uh, the urgency for both of those clubs to make sure that they're in that top three.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because if Winnipeg takes care of business with BC, then the game between Saskatchewan and Calgary in a lot of ways could be for that second place spot. And, and those, those two teams could meet again, uh, in the West division final. and um, you know, you can finish third and, and, and get to the Great Cup, uh, as we've seen here in Winnipeg. Uh, I think they would rather have the first place by. But uh, that game tomorrow between those two teams is going to be, I think it's a, uh, a preview of the West Division semifinal, in my books. I, I, the way BC's going right now, they're going to have to find some game again. Um, but the Calgary Saskatchewan game is interesting because Calgary's coming on, Saskatchewan's faded a little bit. Uh, but they just added Duke Williams. They're getting Shaq Williams, uh, Evans back, so their receiving core looks a lot more dangerous. It should be a fun one.
2: Uh, Ed, just before we go, a lot of questions in the chat. Back coming back to the kicking, and I know we sort of moved on, and talked about you know Winston Rose coming in. Um, Castillo, as you mentioned, I mean was brilliant in 2019, a 91 percent, 41 of 45, I believe, for field goals. He comes in knowing that. You know, this is sort of the missing piece that I think a lot of people have thought about the Bombers. Um, where does that leave uh, Hakuna Mortada? Who actually had a pretty solid game last week and, you know, will have the opportunity to uh, kick again this weekend.
4: Well, uh, when, when Sergio gets here, uh, we're assuming it's next week during the bye, uh, there's going to be a couple of things that will to You know, Ali will still be here and, and you know, and Sergio will still kick in practice earlier in the, the following week. To me, the interesting thing is can Sergio handle the punting chores too? Because that, you know, that becomes another debate. Does that mean that uh, you only have to dress one kicker to handle all three chores, the kickoffs, place kicking and punting. That will be something to keep an eye on because, uh, you know, it's no slight against Mark Leggio, but if you can get uh, one guy to, to handle all three spots, it gives you another special teams player. Uh, it, it we're all assuming that Sergio's going to come in and take the job. That's what I would seem I would say too. It, what it means is that uh, Ali Mertad is going to kick tomorrow night, and then we go from there. Right? I mean, I, I hope for his sake that he has an awesome game. And if the the decision is made to uh, to go with Sergio after that, he's got some film at least that he can take somewhere else. But uh, I don't think you you trade for a guy like Sergio and then uh, let him. Uh, stand on the sidelines at Civis when you're playing again. Yeah, no doubt about it, especially considering what's
2: happened in the kicking game so far. But it, yeah. Murtada has been, I mean, he's a guy he's really easy to pull for when you think about everything that he's been through to get to this point right now. And the one thing I'll say, Ed, is that the plight of a professional kicker um, can be, there's big highs and there's big lows because you only have so many opportunities to do it. And even if it's going to be Castillo's job for the rest of the way, I'd say for this young man that tomorrow is just another opportunity to uh, get some tape, to hopefully be successful, help his team win a football game, and put him in a position to continue doing this job next season in the Canadian Football League.
4: Yeah, it really is a tough gig, isn't it? you got to live in the moment uh, today at the walkthrough, which isn't always a a super serious practice. He was out there clowning around with Mark Leggio and and Mike Benson, the long snapper, having a lot of fun, and, and Gabriel Ferraro, the other kicker that's in town here too uh you're right he's an easy guy to cheer for but the, the, what a cutthroat business and what a tough job right if it doesn't go between those two yellow sticks uh consistently you know <laughs> you, you, you might as well be living out of a suitcase right and and he's 31 years old he's chased this for so long worked on his craft uh it, it's a hell of a story um I, I, again we'll cross our fingers and cheer for him tomorrow night and see what happens after that Eddie, final question for you and i'm going to put you on the spot um <laughs> we've
2: talked about Big Hill and Jefferson and Jeff Code. I mean, there's been so many star performances so far this season for the Blue Bombers, but you're around this team every day. Who's the who's an unsung hero of the Bombers this year? Who's a guy that maybe we haven't talked about that um, maybe if you dig a little deeper has really been impactful in helping this team get to the top of the Canadian football league going into tomorrow night?
4: That's a great question because... Um, there's been so, so many stars. So if I say, you know, Nick Dembski, people say, well, come on, he's not an unsung hero. <laughs> if I say Nichols are offered the two new faces in the secondary, people say, well, they lead the league in, in interception. So I'm kind of buying myself time here as I come up with an answer, Huss. <laughs> I would say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick a couple guys from the trenches because, uh, Willie and Jackson get a lot of love for what they do on the edge I really like what Stove Richardson's bought, brought to the middle of the D-line. We're not talking about how the uh, the run game has been uh, – the run defense has been susceptible. So I'll pick him on that side. And then another guy on the other side. I like Drew Desjardins. You know, when we had that little mix-up, the dust-up, the melee, the brouhaha, whatever you want to call it, in the banjo bowl, um, they called afterwards when the league uh, was handing out fines. They said that Drew Desjardins was the instigator with <laughs> – I Means some stuff happened at the bottom of the pile. And I, you know what? <laughs> I love that. When, for my old lineman, I want that. I want you doing something and trying to get away with it at the bottom of the pile. So I'll pick those two guys because I think the Bombers have been so dominant at the line of scrimmage that uh, some of those other guys besides the Stars deserve some love.
2: Eddie, uh, just on the way out, anything fans should know and uh, need to know about uh, tomorrow's 6 p.m. kickoff?
4: It's our intercept cancer game. Uh, So you'll see pink everywhere. Um, You know, I know that this is a a sore spot with you, Hus. It's tough when the jets and the bombers are going at the same time. So anybody that comes through the gates here or at the downtown, we appreciate you. Thanks for coming. Uh, I wish it wasn't like this, too. Uh, I can remember back in the days where you'd go to one in the afternoon and then there'd be a Jets game at night or b- vice versa, right across the street from each other at old Canadiens and Winnipeg Arena. I wish that's the way it was. Um, so if you get if you get here, look, it's a special deal. There's, this team has a chance to get clinched first place and get to 10 wins for the fifth consecutive year, which hasn't been done since the late 50s and 60s. And so it'll be a special night if you can get here. And if you choose to go to the hockey game, I salute you too.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it just stinks for fans. I mean, and, and as I said, I don't want really to go. I've talked enough about this so far this week, but I mean, it's You're something good, I, don't, I don't think it's good for the football team. It's not good for the hockey team. And, um, you know, in this market right now with the environment and the climate we're in right now, I mean, Both teams need as many fans as they can right now and putting people in that situation where they have to make an unfortunate choice between the two. Um, Not ideal. Hopefully, we can prevent this from happening again, but it is what it is right now. And uh, hopefully, regardless of what game you're at or watching last night, we'll be able to talk about a couple of wins for both of our teams tomorrow night. Uh, Do we have a weather forecast
4: yet for December 5th? I was Oh, December 5th. I'm just looking at tomorrow, Hess. I was ready for you. Plus six, but you can look that up. I don't know. Uh, December 5th, I would let me guess here. I think it'll be cold, might be windy and there might be snow. How about that? Uh, That's probably as accurate as any uh, environment can forecast you'll get for December 5th. Let's get the
2: uh, let's get the uh, farmer's almanac out and start planning. Anyways, um, I mean, There's still, I guess, technically some work to be done, but uh, I certainly plan on being at IG Field on December 5th, and uh, hopefully for everyone that's able to get to the game tomorrow night, we'll be able to uh, cheer the official Western Division champs after a big win. Ed, always love chopping it up with you. Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, good luck
4: to the squad tomorrow. Right on. Thanks. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> right on. There he is. Ed Tate of bluebombers.com with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um great to have Ed on. And um man, this is such a fun team. I I I don't know about you. Um but I mean, I've followed been a bomber fan my entire life. This is such a special team. And uh they're on the verge of doing something that I think will be well, it'll be special for the city, um, but first things first, there's a lot of work to be done, but they are on the verge of doing something that you know we haven't seen in, well, 30 years, uh, and the potential of running it back, being back-to-back champions, and I'll tell you what, the way Kyle Walters, Wade Miller, Mike O'Shea have set up this culture and this organization going forward, I don't expect that to, to let up anytime soon, so uh, good times for Blue Bomber fans. Um, Remus, did you say you have the forecast? Yes, I have it right here uh, behind you. Let's let's get it going. Here we are. Look at this incredible production. I don't know. Ask a question. We've got it right up. I don't know. Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah, I don't know how
3: accurate this is. This is AccuWeather. So it says Sunday, December 5th on the screen. High, minus 6. Feels like minus 11. Looks like we're going to have some gusts of winds. Uh, What is it, 30? I don't know. One of them says the wind is going to be at 17 kilometers. Wind gusts 33 Kilometers. So it sounds like it's going to be windy and cold. Uh, December 5th. We will keep an eye on this as we go. How
2: How, how is AccuWeather I don't dropping know. a forecast in October for early December? I, 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 don't, I don't make the rules. I just
3: Googled it and went, found it. So this is what. Well, there we go. Hey, you I'll take.
2: take minus six. That's fine. That is absolutely fine going forward. Feels like um, minus 11. <laughs> uh, I see the tuke trick in chat. This is the best bomber team I've ever seen. Uh, I got to tell you, I'm uh, I- I'm somewhat with you on that. I'm uh, <laughs> they impress me more each and every time they go out. Looking forward to this game tomorrow night. Um, and I guess again, I won't go down the rabbit hole, but it is BS that Winnipeg fans have to choose between the Jets and the Bombers tomorrow night.
3: All right, hey, uh, hey, Roda w- Tesh is coming <laughs> up. Sorry, Reem? someone says in chat. You know they have the weather right now at minus six. You want to set a line on like plus minus, like how <laughs> many? it's going to be? Like
2: that's what are a we, great idea. Should we, have a
3: pool, should we have like a start a pool? Like what the weather is going to be on? Uh, maybe we'll wait until they clinch. Maybe daytime we'll wait till they clinch.
2: high over or under minus five and a half. Yeah, that <laughs> essentially that that's that's the number right now, <laughs> and the over would be getting to minus five. Yeah. Again, that's sort of weird when we're talking about negatives. Uh, all right, Marat's going to come join us uh, in just a second. I uh, do want to thank Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around, plus items from their new farm category. You'll find everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new at Princess Auto, whether you're sh- for your shop, worksite, or home, Princess Auto knows you love finding the right tools and equipment to re- build or repair things yourself. Uh, you can hit either of the two local locations here in Winnipeg or shop online 24 hours a day over at princessauto.com. Looking forward to another big curling report next week for Princess Auto. Grand Slam event going on this week. Let you know how our Manitoban teams do on Monday. Of course, Princess Auto, huge supporter of curling, as well as the Mike McEwen and Jen Jones rinks, looking to uh, try to represent Canada in the Olympics next month in Saskatoon. Uh, The weekend is here, folks, and nothing makes the weekend better than a cold 1919 from Little Brown Jug. They've also got the new limited edition double of fall vibes times a thousand. Uh, Apparently it tastes like a bit of a butter tart. I'm planning on trying one this weekend uh, and there's no better place to try a Little Brown Jug than Little Brown Jug itself. Pop down to the tap room on William Avenue. Uh, You'll be able to enjoy a few cold ones with friends, pick up all the great Little Brown Jug products as well as some really nice merchandise as well. And by the way, if you're thinking about holiday event or party, there's a live link right now on the events page at littlebrownjug.ca where you can find out about booking holiday parties, birthdays, bachelor and bachelorette parties, and much more, all there at littlebrownjug.ca. And uh, tonight, we've got the moose opener. Tomorrow, uh, the difficult choice for many Winnipeg fans, many people will be at the Bombers. Many people will be at the Jets. Some people will just... Sit down at Boston Pizza in the lounge and watch both games. No better place to get together with your gang than Boston Pizza in the lounge. Ice cold schooners, great pizza, BP wings, and the big game on with the big sound. And of course, if you're staying home, you can always order online from BostonPizza.com. All right, let's get the latest on the Winnipeg Jets coming out of the first win of the season with our friend Marat Tash of the Athletic. Marat, what's going on? How are you, my friend?
5: Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, Winnipeg got a win for my dad, I'd like to say. Uh, they're undefeated. They've become and remain undefeated with my dad in the building. And, and so it's been a, a good time for me here at home and, and obviously a little bit more optimism
2: yeah no um man they they needed it um and and they did it through some kind of adverse situation i mean we knew the situation with the captain going into the game uh we found out a couple hours beforehand mark shifley was going to be unavailable i mean i'll just hit you with a big question what did you think about the way the team overall responded to the loss of guys that are leaned on so heavily by paul maurice and the individual performances that helped them get that first win of the season
5: you know what, Huss? I think that's a great question, and I think I'll start with morning skate in advance of the game. You know, I look for signs that, you know, maybe the, the room's going to, the room, the ice is going to get quiet again, like it was through much of last season, when COVID was always hanging over, when they didn't have fans to play for, all that sort of stuff. Um, and at morning skate, it was chipper. It was lively, and it wasn't just Nate Schmidt or Brendan Dillon the guys kind of brought in for that. It was Nick Ehlers hooting and hollering. It was Kyle Connor. It was the goalies. I mean, they were into it, and I don't know if it was any harder to conjure that right from the morning, knowing that, you know, Mark Scheifele might or might not play. Blake Wheeler would definitely not. There's COVID kind of, you know, around the team in that way. Um, But they did it, and I thought that the attitude was good. And then following it into the game, I mean, it wasn't always the most cleanly played game, but it was often um, a a very good one, especially from the sort of player who you might put the microscope on, like a Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, acquired to be a 1A, 1B center, uh, second line at worst, kind of a quiet season last season, started strong so far. And then when you have performances like you got from him, Kyle Connor with the goals, the two-trick or what have you as well. I mean, the guys that needed to step up largely did.
2: Yes, for the record, Murat, I still have my 2 it, it did not. It did not get thrown onto the ice. What a bizarre! What an absolutely bizarre scenario. I mean, what? I don't know what it was like up in the press row. I mean, it was one of those things where people. I, I mean, I will admit, I'm like, did I miss something? Did he actually get a hat trick as they were all going on? What What was everyone saying up on the row? Well, uh,
5: I was sitting there thinking to myself, "This is crazy. What, what did I miss? What's going on? What, is there some sort of promotion I don't know about?" And then, sort of, just like. If you're in the stands but watching everybody else throw your two, can you throw your two because you think you must have missed something? I think a little bit of that was going on at press row too. People were wondering, hey, that 1st parallel to goal, did he maybe not get a touch on it? Did they give that to Kyle Connor? Is there any reason we can find a third goal for Kyle Connor? Because the fans must be right because um, they so often are. Uh, so, they, yeah, there was confusion to be sure. The thing that I got the biggest kick out of Hus is a few seconds later in house they announced you know, please do not throw foreign objects onto the rink, as if it wasn't so obvious to everybody what had just happened with the mistake or what have you. Like, Winnipeg Jets fans don't need to be told that, hey, that's that's an issue in most circumstances. I was like, okay, I think we'll be all
2: right. Uh, it, it had been a while for a lot of people. You know, it's, it might be a bit of a process. Um, hey, it had been a while since the Winnipeg Jets had won a hockey game. And um, You know, back to the original question about guys that stepped up. Um, I, I want to start with Pierre-Luc Dubois because, man, we spent a lot of time and air talking about his situation going into this year. I mean, really, amongst the forwards, I think he was the guy that was maybe going to be under the biggest spotlight heading into the season because of, you know, the ups and often and downs last year and the difficult transition to his new club. Um, I'll say this much. I've really liked his game so far this season, but especially last night in the situation that they were in, giving up an early goal on the PK, being down. Um, for him to come back, have a couple shifts the way that he did, score that goal, um, man, that's a great sign for the Jets going forward as a team, but also for him individually. You can see it seems like he's got his mojo back and is playing with some real confidence.
5: Yeah, exactly right to me. I see it the same way. And when scorers score, or when guys get on streaks of any kind, good or bad, I look for signs of sustainability. You know, is it just a bounce? Did they come onto the ice at the right time off the bench? Did it hit something? Uh, Did they end up in a situation they normally don't? Those sorts of questions. And with Pierre-Luc Dubois, his offense has come largely on plays that he started. He's driving right from his own zone. He's getting the stop. He's starting breakouts. And then he is flying so much faster this season for Winnipeg than last up the ice creating odd man rushes he's playing a powerful game in the offensive zone as well he's going to the front of the net and he's getting his stick on pucks and and I think that when you see the level of play that he's hit no he might not score three goals in four games or whatever his exact pace is at through the entirety of the season that's not how it works but this is a guy that's genuine genuinely creating shot quality and, and shot volume as well so I think that we have a good early indicator of a bounce back from a guy that was a big X factor from day one of this season.
2: Well, and, and you know, moving on from Dubois, I'm going to give Kyle Connor a lot of credit as well. I mean, yeah, he got the goals late, but I thought that he was, um he was driving a line as much as we've seen him at, at any point. And, and maybe it was more the opportunity to do it outside of Mark Shifley and Wheeler, who he's often with, and it's, you know, a high powered line, but those guys are controlling. But, um, I don't know what your thoughts were. I-, I thought he played one of his best games and maybe the play that impressed me the most Marat was in the first period. Um, You know, a play that in other times would have probably been a two on one. He put the jets on a great back check when the team needed it. And um, you know, I think it is a bit of a good example. Like He's going to score. We know that he will always be a guy that will light the lamp, but if Kyle Connor can bring that sort of determination in both ends, to be more of a 200-foot player, um, I don't know what the ceiling is for Kyle Connor, but he'll certainly help the Winnipeg Jets win a lot more hockey games. And we saw that early in the game last night.
5: I think it says an awful lot about a player of Kyle Connor's offensive skill. When we begin to take it for granted, he'll probably score 30. He might flirt with 40. And we're not really even questioning that. The idea is that he will get into situations. He has the top-line minutes, top-line power play, the finishing abilities, the speed – we all know that. And we've come to the point where we consider that the default for Kyle Connor. That's a tremendous accomplishment. But what Paul Maurice has been talking about since the beginning of camp, what, you know, writers like me and other observers, I have a piece from last season about his defensive impact and defensive play as well. Um, you know, if you can start to give back a little less when he's on the ice, well, then all of a sudden his offense helps the team even more. And when you see those back checks, we noted the same one, there's a little murmur going through press row. Um in the first period when he was on his horse like he was because wasn't it him that, you know, I don't know what I can say, but the the supposed horse shit back check that put Wheeler out, uh, you know, in a bad spot that Paul Maurice was alluding to last year, Paul Maurice never named names, but if you go and you find the video, I think Kyle Connor was uh, among those who did not truck back uh, on that particular play. And it's not always been a hallmark of his game. If it becomes one, this guy can do anything he, he wants. He has the speed and the skill um, and if that becomes a hallmark of his game as well, then we're going to be asking some fun questions like, what do you do when the guys get healthy?
2: No doubt. Well, I mean, Dubois deserves a lot of credit, Kyle Connor as well, and um, we've got to talk about Andrew Kopp. I mean, uh, what a couple of games for Andrew Kopp at a time where his team really... And this speaks to the versatility uh, that Kopp has brought this team playing on every line, in every situation. Um, I can't say enough about the way that he's played the last couple games in a, a big opportunity for him personally, but you want to talk about taking advantage of it, Murat? Andrew Kopp's done exactly that, and that's been a big part while... The team was able to, well, get the five goals and one unfortunate point against Minnesota, uh, but also a big, big part of last night's win.
5: Well, anytime that you put Andrew Kopp in the lineup in the top six and you post that on Twitter like I do with the Lions, you get a handful of replies that say Andrew Kopp is not a top six player. Andrew Kopp is not an offensive player. Um, And I think I understand the perspective that leads into that. Because when you think of, let's say, Kyle Connor, who we were just talking about, you have that image of him flying up the ice. You have his finishing abilities, his shot, the way that he can dangle from the top of the circles in. He can do so many different things. With Andrew Kopp, there isn't really necessarily one thing you point to. It's that thing that Kopp did that, that cements him in that role. But really, it's about quiet battles, one, putting the pucks in good situations for his line mates. And I think that when he's particularly on and helping offensively, he's making particularly clever, clever passes and executing those passes to players in good spots. And he's done that uh, for his linemates, Kyle Connor. He's done that for Pierre-Luc Dubois, particularly with Kyle Connor, I was going to say in the Minnesota loss, where it seemed like he was making these area passes. He was making nice passes under sticks, behind skates, all these different little angles that you might not associate with Andrew Kopp as an elite playmaker. Well, he played pretty well. And I'm not sure what the ceiling is or how consistent that level is. He's going to be able to play at, but every time that you, in the last two games that you watch him with these, you know, obvious top six players, uh, he's able to keep pace and generate with them. And I think that's a good look. And once again, we're going to be made to ask the question, shouldn't the top nine be more balanced, uh, moving forward than it's been in the past. I think that's what, uh, another lesson is what that points me to.
2: Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to get to it. May as well get to it right now. Um, listen, this is not a great situation to have Blake Wheeler on the shelf and quarantining whatever for 10 days in Minnesota. Um, and it was very concerning that Mark Shifley, who has done so much and has leaned on so heavily by Paul Maurice, was out of the lineup last night. But I have to admit, I had a few conversations with the guys afterwards. I mean, you never want you know this to happen to anyone. But I really do believe there could be some long-lasting benefits from, you know, these guys, as we've talked about, having to step up in the absence of two leaders and, and make this happen. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Paul Maurice, I wouldn't say that he's the most proactive guy when it comes to changing things. If things are working, he's going to keep them. And usually most of the changes result from either injuries or the team not going. But I'll say this, Marat. I mean, especially last night with some of the new combinations we saw and the way that guys stepped up, I would imagine that Paul Maurice is thinking like there he has some more options available to him as his star players come back into the lineup and I would be i I'll be very interested to see how this plays out going forward because um you know I think maybe some things that he wouldn't have considered before he had to do last night, and I think they saw some pretty good results from it
5: yeah, you know what I would agree with the idea that he's not proactive in that way i I, I think he said it out loud and he certainly demonstrated that he likes to make the minimum number of changes to his lines as possible when guys get hurt or things happen. And well, you're absolutely right. Nobody wants the situation where Blake Wheeler is, you know, recovering from COVID Mark Shifley is asymptomatic as far as the team's announced. And that's great. Um, You don't want these things to happen, but if they do happen, you want guys to prove that with different combinations and in more responsibility, they can get the job done. And I think Winnipeg's in a good position in that regard where guys can get the job done. If you play Nick Eulers more, good things will happen. Andrew Kopp can hang in the top six. Pierre Lou Dubois is having a strong start to a season, and Kyle Connor can continue to improve. I mean, from a level that's already offensively spectacular. This is good, this is a good um lesson learned from a from a tough situation for the Winnipeg Jets. And I recognize that it's tough when you have your eight plus million dollar captain, the center of the the heartbeat, the pulse of the team, you know, we're assuming he's coming back healthy and strong and and to be the best Blake Wheeler that he can be at this stage of his career. You know, it's tough to pull a player like that off of the top line, um, moving more towards a second line sort of role. Uh, I, I see him based on five on five scoring production rates, more in a middle six, sort of a standard second line player right now, which is a change from a guy that's been elite for so long, right? Like, we're seeing a slow and steady decline in that in that regard and maybe it was last year's injury maybe it wasn't but if the level isn't there and other guys are pushing well then i think it benefits the Winnipeg just to continue to explore combinations that can work and just celebrate the fact that there are so many good players that can step in if needed
2: well and, and you know and we are so used to and and it's funny you mentioned that you know the comments about cop is he a top six player i mean different coaches and teams you know, set up their lines differently. I mean, some throw it all. I mean, we're seeing Dreisaitl and McDavid playing together. I mean, Tip's really going all in on that top line with great success. But there are others. And Maurice has talked before about having pairs, you know, the pairs of players that are together. And, I mean, whether Blake Wheeler is in in a different area, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, the Connor with Dubois pairing, I thought, was really intriguing last night. And that sort of opens up a whole new opportunity. And then you have players like Svechnikov on paper is not a top six player. I mean, he's a guy, and in some ways, he's sort of found money for the Winnipeg Jets right now with the fact of how he came here and the way he is. But, I mean, if you find a fit for a player like that, that can be productive and help his line be successful playing up... I mean, there are benefits to spreading out the wealth a little bit, at least among that top nine. And we haven't seen that a lot in the past, although, I mean, I think we could also make an argument that the lowry cop pairing was much more than a third line, if you will, although maybe not in numbers. Um, but I think it's intriguing thinking about what a win like that and some of the looks that we've seen might mean going forward and the options to Paul Maurice when hopefully he gets his full complement of players healthy.
5: Yeah, exactly. We might have a, an accidental cameo from from my dad returning with groceries here unplanned. So we Right might, on. Uh, uh, just just so we're aware. Um, but at the at the same time, so we're talking about the diversity of options and the, the idea of pairings. There's a lot of really good analytical work on that subject that started kind of with the question of when you have a Crosby or a McDavid or a Bergeron or these players that are so elite. You know, and then you have a second player, a Marchand or a, a Drysital or a Malkin, for for example, um, or even a third that's at that kind of level. Do you get a better result from spreading them out or putting them uh, putting them uh, on the same line? And largely, the the research with elite players shows that you really only need one of the absolute elites on a line to make sure that it drives, and then maybe with the less elites, two is is solid. So. I'm not sure if that exactly applies to the Winnipeg Jets because, as good as Scheifele is, as good as Connor is or Ehlers, they're not in the McDavid Drysidal uh, category individually. But I think the evidence still says find those pairings, make those pairings hum, and then you can be a little bit more interchangeable with the third player looking for chemistry. And you might even say that with and Lowry, going back to a Brandon Tanev type where he had speed to burn, but he wasn't necessarily the one winning those battles or. Making all of those smart area passes into good spaces. Cobb and Lowry were were great, and he was, I think, a little bit more of a complimentary player who had such a unique skill set that they were able to use it. And oftentimes, you find that in more elite situations as well. And that's where where you can have you know lesser players playing with with the elites. And all of this to say, you know, Paul Maurice has gone back to old faithful of Connor Sheehy and Wheeler time and time again, especially in the playoffs when when the chips are down. He goes to that. But we may be at a place. And even though the research wasn't exactly about this type of situation, where Winnipeg can say there's a top nine, there are some pairings, maybe Connor and Dubois is a new one. It doesn't have to be Connor and Scheifele, Maybe Ehlers ends up there. Maybe other combinations do. There's room when you have good players to experiment and it would be nice to see more of it.
2: Uh, Marat, let's talk about the blue line for a minute. Uh, Really like Nate Schmidt's game last night. I think he showed a lot of the things that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets were hoping to get in both ends last night. I mean, certainly chipped in on the offense, made some good plays. Um, But Josh Morrissey's performance, and Remus nailed this at the beginning. I mean, he looks like a different player right now. I mean, the confidence that he's playing with, and I guess we'll never really know how much of it is just a fresh start this year after a difficult season on and off the ice last year for him. Uh, Maybe it's the new pairings, the new talent that he's playing with. Um, But overall, I mean, just thoughts on Schmidt last night, but Morrissey overall for this season and where he's at right now compared to, you know, some struggles last year.
5: Yeah, I'll start with Schmidt, who whose game I've largely liked. He's not the top flight, top end burner in terms of his top speed uh, that he was in Vegas. But the guy is still shifty and he's smart and he can make plays. He can make passes up ice, um, particularly on the power play. You know, he has a lot of fun. It seems kind of like looking off guys, looking one direction, passing the other. And he's put it on Josh Morrissey's tape. Time and time again with consistency. That's a play he's made um, since day one of camp and on Josh Morrissey, by the way, in terms of his assertiveness, you know, that was one of my most early observations on Twitter and on the, in the articles. And I think we talked about it here as well. Like the guy's playing faster and more, more assertive from day one of camp. So, um, you know, when I get onto my tangents, I don't want to be that guy, but the point is from, from day one, he's been wiring that shot from Schmidt to him in the circle Um, From day one, he's been skating a little bit more assertively and and things like that. And I think that it's going to be still a process for him, uh, almost growing pains back into that top four defenseman. Um, You know, not every night's going to be perfect, but I think that that's the player he's going to be this season is a top four defenseman who's helping the team win. And he's wiring that particular one timer from Schmidt at the top. And as long as that continues to happen, he's going to produce on the power play in that unit. And, you know, there have been some cluster moments as they try to break the puck out of their own zone, and which applies to everybody on the Jets so far. But oftentimes it looks a whole lot better than it did last year as well. And so I'm, you know, I I continue to be optimistic about that pairing as a top four duo.
2: No, we all knew who the best defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets is. And uh, that's the guy in the pipes, Connor Hellebuck, big performance last night. And uh, I mean, I don't know what it was like up in press row. Um, that early goal goes in, uh, you know, with everything that was around the team coming in and there was a few, uh, you know, hands on the face in my section, I'll be honest, but I mean, the way that he responded last night, um, what a great sign it is for him personally as well for the Winnipeg Jets.
5: Exactly. I mean, Winnipeg in the last couple of seasons has essentially gone as far as Connor Hellebuck has taken them. That not meant to discredit the performances of other players and the, the adversity that the team went through. But the team's been outmatched, and he's been made to face a lot of rubber. We've, we've documented that. The interesting thing with goalies is, is that even the elites can easily go through week, two-week stretches where they're playing below average compared to everybody in the NHL. And that's you're seeing that with Andre Vasilevsky right now. I think Robin Liner had a tough start. Connor Hellbucks had a tough, tough start as well. You know, it's not the same thing as bugging and playing these guys every single night. It's going to be they were the best goalie in the NHL that night. But on the whole, on the average, over the course of the season, Hellbuck's as good of a bet as anybody to be in that group. And every time you see signs that he's kind of getting towards that level, you begin to feel more optimistic about the chances of the Winnipeg Jets. And I'm sure that they do too. Because as much as they like to say, well, you know, he's the best in the world and stuff like that, when pucks bounce off of him, the puck doesn't get cleared. There's a third rebound and it goes in or he mishandles the puck. You know, I think the confidence comes when he makes those saves, shuts things down, and makes as many saves as he did in a 5-1 win. I think that's what really cements things for everybody.
2: All right. Well, staying on the topic of goaltending, I'm just looking at the schedule. The team plays tomorrow against the Preds. They then have two days off. They play the Ducks. Day off, play the Kings. Day off, play the Sharks. Two days off, home against the Stars. They don't have back-to-backs until the 5th and 6th against Chicago and the Islanders here in Winnipeg. When's Eric Comrie getting a start?
5: Uh, You know what? I know that, you know, you do your daily bets and and things like that. You put, I think this one needs to go on there. Um, I would have assumed that within the first month of the season, Eric Comrie would get a start. I I would have assumed. I don't think the plan is to play Connor Hellebuck 75 or 82 games uh, over the course of the season. But when you break down the schedule, knowing, you know, how important Hellebuck is and and, and to the team and, and how unestablished as Comrie is as a backup well i don't know is it going to be until the fifth and sixth the, the truth is i have no idea you'd think they're looking for an opportunity before that but hella bucks the guy the one thing i will say with certainty is there this sense that i've noticed in practices because i was on the road trip and i'm you know is that practice again today they're getting they rally around at comrade when when comrade does make those saves that paul marie says though he started to make these saves in practice and get really competitive and stuff like that. And for the record, I, I still think he's developing in that regard. He doesn't make every save. I, I think clearly the clearly the number one and, and should be against anybody. But, but here we are with Eric Connery. When he does make those saves, the day he made a couple of big ones on wraparounds and then rebounds and things like that, he gets so much cheering from his teammates. They're really trying to make sure that they show him some sort of protection or, or support at this stage. And it's just such an interesting plot point to watch because While we know how experienced he is, we know what his save percentage is so far in the NHL, we know that his teammates love him and and it's going to be chaos uh, until he proves otherwise.
2: No doubt about it. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with us talking Jets on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Saturday night, 6 p.m., Nashville Predators. Jets will look to get to 500 on the season and head on the road with a 2-2-1 two, two, and one record if they can get the two points tomorrow night. Um, what, what went on in practice today? Obviously, no Mark Shifley. Um, you know, any update on that? Do we know when we'll get more information on it? Any possibility that he's able to play tomorrow?
5: Um, no update to that regard. Essentially no news. Uh, I, I believe that he's been tested once more and that result is coming. Uh, you know, Jets PR fired off a quick note saying that uh, the, the team would really try to keep its announcements to whether he's on the protocol that day or, or not. So the exact specifics that were you know that folks like Frank Valley or Chris Johnson are, are reporting, I, I think the team's just trying to keep it simple whether he's on or not. We'll see. We'll see what we get on that front. So continued uncertainty on the Mark Shifley front. Maybe there'll be some news later today or tomorrow about that. Uh, today at practice, it was largely about special teams and then some, some tight three-on-three work in tight spaces. Um, in Mark Shifley's absence and Blake Wheeler's absence as well, you had Cop and Ehlers, uh, Kyle Connor, Neil Pionk, and Paul Stastny on that top power play unit. And it's, I got to say, it's it's fun to watch Connor and... and uh, and Nick Ehlers on the same unit because they're they're both such good shooters and good playmakers in, in different ways. So that's kind of been a fun look. And the second power play continues to have Morrissey and Schmidt on it. But, of course, Riley Riley Nash, the ever-controversial decision. Justin Harkins was in there uh, as well. And then, of course, you got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's uh, kind of a no-brainer the way he's playing to get that kind of minute.
2: Yeah, I guess I mean you're working on the uh, the power play, but of course the penalty kill has been a big topic so far. Didn't start off well. I mean they were able to make the uh, the remaining kills for the rest of the way. Uh, what do you make of uh, just where the Jets are at with the PK? And is this you know a few bad breaks earlier the season that are amplified because it's such a you know short sample size, and we've got four games in? Um, or are we? Uh, is this something that they're going to be working on continually trying to improve? Um, maybe with some different personnel as we go forward.
5: Yeah, I think it's going to be a long uh, a long process for them. And, you know, the fact that it's four games and that, you know, when they were scored on last night, it became 50% effective to that point in the season, which is just a horrendous number. I mean, that's going to stick in all of our memories for the entirety of the season, even if they do figure it out at some point. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. But in terms of actually what's happening on the ice, I think that their full value for struggling on the PK, I mean... They're losing plenty of face offs which is you know a, a starting point when they do get the puck on their stick the clears are not being made I mean you see them struggle time and, and time again there's often multiple failed clears on the same PK shift um, you know I haven't necessarily liked the way that they've won the won the rebounds that Connor Hellbuck has left in the slot as well you know I think that uh, I think that they give up enough shot quantity and quality that you can look at them and say, yeah, realistically, this would be a unit that would be struggling right now, that goals are going in against. And you hope that they reduce the shots and the shot quality. You hope that they make better box outs and, and better clears. And you hope that when they pucks on the stick, they just get it out the ice because, um, or get it down the ice, pardon me, get it out of the zone. 30 seconds of a team attempting to come back into the zone is a heck of a, an effective, you know, kill job um, a, a, as well. So I think that that's what they're looking for. Personnel, I wonder about the decisions so far. I mean, Wheeler and, and Stastny, um, you know, kind of going with veteran reads over speed. And, and you might like to see some of the guys like Jansen Harkins might be a better suited PK player than he is on, on the power play as he was today. I'm not sure. Um, it seems like they're going to be sh- shuffling, not through, uh through options throughout the year, trying to find something that works because it hasn't yet.
2: Well, and, and I guess I'll bring him, of course, Moose home opener tonight. Stick around, by the way, folks. We do have some tickets to give away for the home opener tonight. We'll do that a little later on. Um, we spent a lot of time talking with David Gustus in the last little while, and I sort of maintain I was surprised he maybe didn't get more of a look in training camp, certainly considering – I think what many of us thought, you know, him ready to graduate from the Moose, he was their player of the year last year, does so many of the things that the Winnipeg Jets sort of at times have been lacking so far this season. Then he comes up with what a goal and three assists in the last game. I would imagine there is a call-up coming at a certain point. But where are you at on Gustafson? And do you think that he might, because of the plight of, I mean, you know this team is going to score goals. It's the PK, it's face-offs, it's a number of those things that he does well we don't call is going to go and play lots of time with the Manitoba Moose. Might we see David Gustafson coming the other way in the near future?
5: You know, I would like to see it. And honestly, before camp, began, penciling in lines, you knew that that sort of third line, right wing job was in competition. You know, I think we'd all heard enough or yeah, we, we had heard enough that Christian Veselina was getting the first look in that spot. But for me, when I was trying to draw it up, I had David Gustafson in that spot, owing to the fact that, you know, he does exactly what you described really well. And he's not just a bottom six type player. He has the skill to put up points. And for his age in the AHL so far, he's shown enough that he could be a middle six player. You're not looking at a fourth line or bust type guy. He can do a few different things. So to see him sort of get the fifth line, sixth line, seventh line treatment at camp was kind of an indication he wasn't going to make that team. Uh, I think that I, we might need to see him tear things up in the AHL for a continued extended period of time before Paul Maurice starts to to look at that as well. Um, because I expect that Tony Nato is with a big club to stay. I think that the, the veterans are probably the the order of the day. The one thing that I'll tell you here, and, and, you know, Winnipeg is famous, as there are a lot of teams, depending on whose fans you ask, for not promoting young players. You know, that's the big discussion point. Paul Maurice even made, it was a hilarious joke about it being like, if Col Perfetti doesn't make the team, he doesn't like young players. <laughs> Well, David Gustafson isn't a secret. You know, I've talked to people around the National Hockey League from other organizations who specifically asked about David Gustafson this summer, thinking, like, we think that there's a really good player there, you know, that that's somebody who we want to keep an eye on going forward. And that doesn't happen for no reason. You know what I mean? I think a lot of players have, or a lot of clubs have identified that there's this very good player Who's probably going to be better than what he was even advertised at when when he was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets? And at some point, you know, it might have to wait until next season. You you need to see players like Gustafson, like Perfetti, et cetera, throughout um, begin to get those spots uh, with NHL action. I just think this is a veteran year as much as uh, Paul Maurice uh, would like it to be one.
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm with you on that. And, and listen, I'm fully in on, you know, having young players play in the American Hockey League and be ready to, you know, excel there and then be ready to be national hockey leaguers. But David Gustafson's done that. I mean, he really has. He was their player of the year last year. I mean, we talked about him being ready to graduate and it doesn't seem like that opportunity has been. Ken was on. I don't know, yesterday or the day before we were talking about this. And, you know, his take on this is that at a certain point, Gustafson's going to get the opportunity to call up and it's going to be a one-way ticket. He's going to be staying with the, with the Winnipeg Jets and he'll leave the Moose dressing room behind. Um, you know, I guess, I mean, I would love to see that. And I think that would mean that he comes in and has the opportunity to really contribute. But I think you can certainly make the argument that, He's done his time in the American hockey league. He's done everything that's asked to him and he would be a player that would be worthy of an opportunity. And like so many times, Murat, I mean, I guess it probably comes down to, you know, an unfortunate injury to somebody else that opens up a spot. He goes in and, you know, plays so well that, you know, the coach just can't take him out.
5: Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And it, it makes it ever so slightly not a meritocracy is what it does. And, I think that the culture of the NHL does involve putting in time and it does involve a certain amount of a hierarchy and a pecking order. And I don't know how you go from that circumstance to incorporating a little bit more of that youth movement, because I think more and more analytics departments, more and more studies are showing that young players can have a tremendous impact if used correctly uh, early on in their careers. Well, that takes some finagling, I think, um, and how do you make the transition from one sort of culture to the to the next? I'm not sure. At the same time, there's probably going to be plenty of AHL talent over the years that has really excelled. You make all the efforts to, to put them in the right spots, and they don't necessarily excel. And now you've got some veteran upset for something that didn't work out. I think there's an awkward cultural transition, but one that if teams could figure out, then players like David Gustafson, who has, I agree with you, shown that he is just Excellent at the AHL level and ready for the next step. Um, Cole Perfetti will probably get there this year as well, where he's so consistent. There's there's time for giving those players time, and so I'm curious. I just I don't expect it tomorrow.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I think it'll be something's going to happen. He'll get an opportunity, and I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, think that he's ready to you know contribute in the National Hockey League. And I think there's some areas with the Winnipeg Jets that his skill set would certainly be a benefit too. Last one for you. Uh, We spent all this time talking about the Jets. Uh, What are you expecting to see from the Predators tomorrow? Um, This is a a team that we've seen so much over time. Haven't seen them last year. Um, And it seems like this is a team that's sort of in a a bit of a transition phase, as much as they can transition right now with the amount of money that they've sunk into individuals like Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne.
5: Yeah, for me, they're a team... Where if you're looking at their playoff chances, you're kind of going, if Johansson reclaims his form, you know, if Matt Shane reclaims his form, though he's been already offensively at, at, at times for Nashville already, if Eli Tolvin and takes a step forward, I mean, he's a tremendous offensive player, but he'll probably give a lot back. And you start chaining all the ifs together and you think to yourself, well, that's an awful lot of maybes. They're probably not necessarily going to be in that hunt. But I think so far this season, Johansson in particular has played particularly well. and. Uh, you know, maybe there's some enthusiasm there. We know UC Saros is a tremendous goaltender. You know, they're, I think they're capable of doing damage on any given night when everybody's clicking. And so, you know, will it be as physical as the central division game Winnipeg played against Minnesota? I'm not sure, but depending on who's firing and how it could be just as difficult from, you know, from a skilled perspective.
2: Uh, hey, before we go, uh, what do you got coming up in the athletic over the next little bit and uh, plug the mailbag. I enjoyed that one. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it uh, divided Mailbag into two pieces. The first piece I, I gave to a, a weekend night editor, and I was just, I was so afraid to give them a big word count. So it was kind of a shorter one. The second one had all the meat in it. And that's the one that this week, you know, we're talking about Cole Perfetti's situation in a few different ways. We're talking about uh, coaching decisions. We, we get into the moves a little bit their Calder Cup uh, aspirations and chances, Mark Shikely, Kyle Connors' defense play. There's so much in there. And even we got Dom on board to write the rebuttal to my rebuttal. Basically saying, well, you know, he's got his uh, his model. I I had my criticism and he got really thoughtful about his response. I think it would be well worth reading Dom Luce Chishin's uh, uh, opinions of my opinions, uh, because you get both sides of an argument. And it's really quite interesting to me. So that was fun. That's the, the latest that I have up. And then I got some stories to tell. And I always I get precious about them before before they go up. But I'll have some some stories about Winnipeg Jets personalities in the in the next little while. Hopefully, I was very proud of the Cole Perfetti one um, with the family. Hopefully, we can sort of reach that level a couple of times in the next.
2: No, keep on cranking it out, man. It's great stuff. If you're not already subscribing to the Athletic, what are you waiting for? That's where you'll find all of Marat's content, and of course, you can follow him on Twitter at WPG Marat. You have a great Friday night, my friend, and enjoy the game tomorrow.
5: Thank you, Huss. Have a great one.
2: Great stuff. There he is. Murata Tesh of the athletic joining us on Winnipeg sports talk daily. Always love having Marat on the program. And um, we'll certainly uh, chop it up with him again next week here on WST. Uh, big thanks to not auto corp. I know lots going on over at not right now. The Winnipeg car lab is open. They're doing wraps. They're putting rims on tinting, striping, all of that stuff. If you're looking to uh, maybe modify your vehicle, um, but if you're looking for a new vehicle why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team over at Waverly and McGilvery? you can also find out everything going on at not online over at Knot.ca. uh Blizzard weather? Maybe not. Hopefully we're not actually having any blizzards outside. It's much preferable to be having a blizzard in your stomach. You can get those delicious ice cream treats at your local Nick and Nicky DQ. Four locations in Winnipeg, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop by for an Ultimate Grill Burger. Maybe some of the chicken fingers. Very underrated. And if you've got an event coming up, be the hero. Roll in with a DQ ice cream cake. You can order that sucker in advance. And you have it ready to pick up. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And of course, tomorrow, be a little chilly. You want to warm up the game? You can do that with a little Canadian club. Official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers available throughout investors group field as well as your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. And of course, our friends at Canadian Club have teamed up with Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies with Canadian Club. We will be giving away one in a few minutes with our end-of-the-week marble race. And it's not just a hoodie. We'll have a secondary prize as well of an I Love Rye pack, including some delicious Canadian Club and much more Big thanks to CC for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, and make sure you stick around to the end of the program if you're with us on YouTube for a chance to win. Uh, We also got to get to the cool vet lines coming up in a few minutes, but let's get Remus back in here with his thoughts on our conversations with Ed Tate and Murata Tesh on the Bombers and Jets going into a very busy Saturday here in Winnipeg. Yeah, always fun. I'm getting, always
3: great talking with Ed, getting set for tomorrow's Bomber game, and yes, there's also a Jets game Tomorrow as well against uh, Nashville, the doubleheader, Hus. You're sorry, it's not a doubleheader. The uh, no, simultane- it should be a doubleheader. The simultaneous, is that what's what they call it? Simultaneous. So, uh, yeah, love hearing Murat's insight. Interesting about Gustafson. We'll see if they can bring him up. I, you know, he tweeted about Nikolai Ehlers. About Maurice was asked, um, you know, about him not having any points on the air. And I've joked on earlier, and I'll joke again. I blame the teammates, Hess. I blame Brendan Dillon. Should have put home that puck home on that empty net or couldn't even hit the net. It's actually funny. I was watching the score clock last night, and they showed the shots. I think it was like 6-1, and the Jets' one shot was the one that went in the net. I mean, they had some zone time and some chances, but they couldn't couldn't hit the net or would yeah, pass it. Yeah, the first,
2: or period, that first period was a bit, of a, a bit of a slog. I mean, obviously, they got down early with the penalty and a couple iffy penalties. I felt really bad. I felt really bad for Logan Stanley. I mean, the tripping call that he got after the team gets back into the game. He, of course, has been a big part of the power play. Sorry, the penalty kill, playing some pretty significant minutes. And, um, I mean, his stick was there. I don't think he had anything to do with the duck player falling, uh, but took one in. But to their credit, they were able to get it, you know, get the kill after that first bowl went in and um, and shut the door. And then I thought they really improved as we went through the rest of the game. Um, and certainly Paul Maurice thought that that was um, probably the best period of hockey. They played in a while in that third period, putting the Ducks away last night. Speaking of Paul Maurice, uh, I, Marie, Rimo, did you say we have, uh, we have Maurice? Yeah, he spoke for
3: 10 minutes today. And I can get that ready to go Excellent. if you want to hear what Excellent. he says. Yeah, get say. that up
2: we, we do want to hear that we'll hear from Maurice and then we'll come back I'll uh, hit the cool bet lines uh talk a little NFL coming into the weekend and then we'll get oh Taylor Yule Miller for the Logan Stanley mention big stat Taylor wait to, I've got a uh, little tease after Maurice also have a little unboxing uh Small unboxing on today's program before we get to the marble race. And Taylor, you in particular, I think you're going to enjoy this. So um, thank you very much for the super chat, my dear. Great to have you with us. Um, so yeah, we do have some business to get to. We've got some great things to give away with the friends at Canadian Club. We've got some moose tickets for the home opener tonight. But before we do that, well, let's get the latest on the Winnipeg Jets. Post-practice today, Paul Murray spoke a little earlier down at Canada Life Centre.
4: Thanks, Gregor. Hi, Paul. Uh, can you update us on Mark's status?
0: Um, no, nothing more. There's a, a timeline to this, and nothing's changed with him. He's asymptomatic individual, so he has to continue to test to a certain number of days, and, uh, and then he's back at her.
1: Go back to Paul Friesen for a follow-up. Go ahead, Paul.
4: Uh, is he already at one negative test is it similar to what he was going into uh, last night's game or, or not yet as i, as I don't know?
0: I don't have that result for you Paul um we, we wouldn't get it yet off today I don't believe I don't have that at this time'll
1: go next to Ken Weeb from sportsnet go ahead Weber uh
4: thanks for your, uh, afternoon Paul what are some of the early season challenges in penalty killers getting their reads? Kind of up to mid season speed when you're obviously earlier on in the year, yeah
0: you're looking for a couple of of things and and one is you know we're giving up goals and, and it's the is there is there a theme there's a style and there is there's a tip i mean we we're getting burned on tips in that front, so timing that out better shot blocks from the top, but we're not getting we're not getting seamed and we're and we're not you know in a lot of ways hanging our goalie out to dry we we, we just got to get that net front cleaned up better and, and i like their kill you know it's just Nathan Bolio's impact on it Toninato's impact on it um so i don't i don't think right and i haven't felt we're we're a little slow on it we're a little bit behind it but not by much and uh, i think it gets cleaned up pretty quick and from there we'll be solid with it
1: go next to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press go ahead
0: Jeff
6: Hey, Paul, um, Nick Eilers, I know it's just four games, um, you know, but without a point and I'm just wondering not so much what you've seen from him per se, you can add that if you'd like, but more so if, is if there's an effort or a certain point that you start actively trying to do something for him, like we've maybe seen in the past with a Mark or Blake or, or Pierre-Luc Dubois even last season.
0: Yeah. No, you, you, you start that right from day one or two, like he had had, uh, what we really like about where he's at is this shooter's mentality. And for me, that's the big, uh, kind of switch in his game. When he's shooting the puck, he's a much, much better player than when he comes off and, and he doesn't have any shot attempts or shots on goal. So his numbers are really high right now, right? He's put a lot of pucks at the net and an awful lot of shot attempts in game. So I've, I've got no concern other than, um, You know, maybe some plays more to the inside that he can get to. Um, But I'm not worried about it yet. We have a bunch of different line combinations. Uh, As long as he's shooting the puck and he's getting shots, i got lots of faith that he's going to start beating goalies. I I don't think he's very far off. He's had a bunch that are real close. Go back to
1: Jeff Hamilton for a follow-up. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, thanks
6: for um, just, yeah. And just to follow up on that, Paul, you know, Nikolai has been through these before, you know, um, he kind of noted himself, obviously coming from junior, he was just a scoring machine. So it was a little bit tougher to handle um, early in his career, but now that he's established, he's got a lot of confidence in this game. I'm wondering if it, if it needs to be addressed or if it, or if there are just things you've seen from him and the way he kind of just handles himself as, you know, quote unquote, learns to be. A I, th- I
0: think the first thing is I, I, you know, he's had stretches in, in his past that he didn't score, and I don't think they're even remotely related to four games without a goal. Like, like, the, it's a completely different... He's just gone four games and he hasn't scored. I mean, he's... And then a ton of pucks at the net are... Expectation can't be that if Nicky gets 20 shots on goal, seven of them are going to go in. That 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 can't be what we expect. When he's had his stretches in the past that he didn't score, he didn't get pucks to the net, wasn't involved in the play. I think he's right there and he's all around it. He's going to score. So I don't I don't feel he's in one. I don't I don't feel that. Oh, what's going wrong with Nick Ehlers? It's it's he's putting up a lot of pucks. His line mates who he's playing with seem to be putting a lot of pucks in the net, and then that's you know is the line scoring that he's on. Uh, Big one last night, the game winner. So it's good enough. I'm not worried about him. Go next to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weaver.
4: Paul, there's been a lot of turnover with the Nashville Predators. Uh, Where do you expect to see the biggest change in terms of their style of play? Yeah,
0: I don't think that the, the style has changed much. As a matter of fact, I thought... So we kind of all have this vision of what Nashville and Winnipeg looked like playing against each other maybe four, three, four years ago. And then there was a change. I almost think they're back there. A lot of their systems, I think, have gone back to what they used in the past. And they're back to that very aggressive game. I think they look exactly like they used to with personnel change. Right. But the style of game, I think, is still the same.
1: Go next to Kelly Moore from 680 CJOB. Go ahead, Kelly.
0: Hey, Paul, uh, last night with respect to the uh, number of shots and the number of shot attempts, they can be sometimes alarming. But in terms of the quality of those shots, were you comfortable with what was allowed last night uh, in the game against Anaheim? And is that one of those situations where, you know, teams will be firing away as well? Yeah, I I mean, that's... hmm. It's an interesting... uh, kind of exercise right we gave up 12 even strength shots against them I think we gave up 22 shots against them in game one lost 4-1 and then got out shot in a game um, by, a, by a reasonable margin and, and won 5-1 so we weighed all those shots right we have a an adjusted shot um, value that that we put on every one where it comes from I was I was okay with with our defensive game I think i'm i'm aware that we're gonna to have to scratch and claw a little bit here um and two pretty important men out of your lineup that help drive play and drive pucks to the net um so i'm not gonna be overly concerned by some of the analytics here and until we can get these guys back i think i think we gave up four that i really didn't like yesterday that i I think we need to be responsible for some of it is they'll put a puck to the net and you've got to try to corral that rebound and there's scrums to the net and some of them are get close to the net but they're counted as shots i'm not saying the shots aren't right because i think they're all kind of sort of valued the same way but uh I, i was okay with it is the shortest answer i can give you but i'm not bragging about it
1: go back to jeff hamilton from the free press go ahead, jeff
6: Hey Paul just one about covid um getting some reports obviously with Blake testing positive in the states then then mark coming back home and obviously testing positive after is there still a a looming concern if you will that there might be or there could be other players affected
0: i don't I don't feel it and I don't feel it in the room um and, and I'm not sure what science would tell you what percentage of fear we should carry with us based on the number of days out of negative tests. Um, but it's going to be probably uh, something that's in every room. You know, the potential is there, and, and you say we, we operate in a fairly heightened protocol here, um, and and at the, at, we're, we're at minimum standards, maybe. Um, In in Manitoba, but our standards are higher than most a lot of other places, right? So we're still exceptionally careful around our room. I mean, we're fully locked down here. Everybody's got a mask on all the time. Um, I mean, we—I think we've we've lived in this environment long enough to kind of lost that fear a little bit. But it has certainly hasn't become a casualness about the ramifications. You you lose some good players. It can be it can be deadly for your season, right? Especially if, if you, a team gets a player that that doesn't rebound well, that doesn't come off the sickness well, and, and it's not just, you know, you're tested negative, but your game's not right for two months. It can have major implications. So we're aware of that, address that, and and want to move around the world like that too. We want to be careful. Go back to Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Go ahead, Weeb.
4: Paul, do you expect the temperature of the game to be similar to what you saw against the Wild? You know, Another team you haven't seen for a long time, but you have a built-in rivalry with them?
0: I I don't know that the rivalry is what it used to be. I think we all took that year-and-a-half pause and kind of forgot about everybody, each other. Uh, But I think the style of game will. So Wild's playing a physical game. We want to get back to ours. And Nashville's playing a physical game. So they're going to finish all their checks. They'll drive the intensity of the game up. We've shown the ability to match that and excel in it. So I do expect that kind of game tomorrow for sure.
1: And final question to Sean Reynolds from Night. Go ahead, Sean.
6: Hey, Paul. You talked about uh, Nashville getting back to the style that we saw from them, you know, around 2017-18. Um, is it fair to say your team is trying to get back to the style that your team played at that time, that both these teams are trying to turn back the clock to around that era?
0: Yeah, I think that's just natural central division hockey. There's a big difference in the style of play, and the teams then build themselves for that. Or you have to you have to be aware of that when you're playing in this division, so I, th- I think that, that we will get back to that. I'd, I'd love to be playing far more central division games right now if we could hey, if there's a positive you know we're going to get a couple of west coast trips off our books early in the season um, which you like because the, the time change is tough to deal with so um, but you'd like to be in the central now because i think if you can play that game regularly you can win a lot of hockey
2: All right, there's the coach, Paul Maurice, from uh, a little earlier today, post-practice for the Winnipeg Jets. Jets back in action tomorrow, 6 p.m. against the Nashville Predators. And, of course, as uh, he was asked right off the bat, any updates on Mark Shifley? Um, they're hoping that he tests negative twice and can play. Um, but we probably won't have any clarity on that until at some point tomorrow. Um, and obviously fingers are crossed that Shifley can get back in, but the guys that were in the lineup last night stepped up, got the win, and the Jets will look to try to get to 500 tomorrow before heading back to California for uh, the second road trip of the season. All right, folks, Um, we are going to... Okay, Remus, let's get Remo back in here. Um, We need to figure out... So we've got the Marble Race coming up Fridays. For those of you that have not been in here before... Um We like to to take care of our people. We have, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club, one of the new Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies branded with our friends at Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And this will be first place today, the hoodie. Second place will be an I Love Rye package. We've got a few neat little trinkets and most importantly, a bottle of Canadian Club. And then third prize will be tickets for the Moose game tonight. Now, I I almost think, Remo, maybe we should do the Moose draw separately because I have four tickets. They're great seats for the game tonight, but I'm not sure, you know, some people may be able to. uh, Yes, Mark, we do have some double X's. Um, they're uh, they're sweet. So uh, yeah, right now we've got, I mean, it's limited edition. I think we've got four or five of each size. So as they go, they go. But uh, as of right now, we're fully stocked. So uh, yeah, if you're even up to a double XL, we've got you, we've got you taken. Um, But I, I'm trying to think, or maybe people, if they want to just hit me with a, with an Instagram or a, or a tweet um, and I can just pick a winner from that, because I do want people that can make the moose game, um to win those tickets and i realized that you know obviously you can pick the uh, you can pick the hoodie up anytime but might ne- not necessarily uh, to do that so i tell you what folks if you're on twitter and you'd like to go to the game tonight, uh, let me know. I've got four great seats for the game. Uh, Just send me a tweet at Hustlerama. I will pick a winner just shortly after the program and email the tickets out tonight. Uh, But you do need to be able to go. Moose Home Opener tonight at Canada Life Centre. Four great seats. Send me a tweet at Hustlerama. Let me know that you would like to go. Uh, Feel free to... uh, Pitch why you'd be a great selection, and I'll get those tickets out a little bit later on. So we'll do first and second prize for the Marble Race. And, uh, Remo, I guess we should get going right now. We need to. Uh, we need people, everyone that's going on. Yes, Taylor, just hang tight. The unboxing will take place while we get things going. But uh, what is it going to be? Uh, marbles? Exclamation mark Marbles? exactly exactly so so if you want to go to the moose game tonight get on twitter i guess you can use instagram as well oh. if you want at hustlerama send me a message i will pick a winner right after the program and send you the seats four great seats center ice for tonight's moose home opener so we'll do that but uh yes yeah, so do, do we ha- do we have it going on i was i was you oh, you're, you're oh. muted all I
3: said was, um, don't include the time-sensitive moose tickets in with the giveaway. You, you didn't miss anything. The last, two, yeah. luckily, the last two times I've muted myself, I've said nothing. So
2: haven't I, had a great. fire like, take like uh, some of the
3: other times you've I'm muted like yourself. Normally, yeah, when I go on a great uh, rant and uh, mute it, yeah. So here, let I me mean, just. Everyone's doing exclamation marble, so I'm just going to enable it
2: because yeah, enable if, it, folks. If don't if you've done it already, yeah, it's not going to work because we haven't enabled it. We will let you know. Let's get this thing out. Everyone's putting in marbles. we are going to have in. to do it again. And again, don't spam it like Oleg did yesterday. Oh, Poor Oleg got bounced by the power-hungry commissioner of WST. Mm-hmm. Um, there it is, folks. Okay, so the entry to the Marble Race raffle has started for viewers. Use marbles to enter. So now is the time where you need to put in exclamation mark marbles. Mm-hmm. We'll give you a couple minutes to get that. Um, meanwhile, we'll get to the cool bet lines for tonight. Um, four games in the National Hockey League. Edmonton, man, they're looking good so far. Connor McDavid just tearing up the league. Speaking of which, he opened it as, as a 2 to 1 favorite to win the heart after 11 points in four, four games. He's now. Even money to win the Hart Trophy and uh, still probably a pretty safe bet. They'll look to get to 5-0. They're a plus-112 underdog taking on the Golden Knights. Uh, The Kings, plus-137 dogs on the road to the Dallas Stars who are at minus-161. And the undefeated Buffalo Sabres still not getting any love from the bookies. Plus-175 underdogs at home taking on the Boston Bruins who are a big minus-208. Favorite and the one other game tonight, Leafs, heavy, heavy home favorite, minus 238, Sharks plus 200 on the games. A big slate of National Football League action. Um, you can go to Coolbet and check out all the lines. And actually, I will plug. A new episode of the Lock Shop, which is going to be coming up in about an hour, so four o'clock, we'll we'll broadcast it live on Twitter from Dustin Nielsen's account at Nielsen TSN 1260. But if you want to just go hit up my account at 4 p.m., I'll retweet it. You can check it out. But if you haven't already subscribed to the Lock Shop, please do that. Uh, With new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday, we talk a lot of National Hockey League, some golf, some you know everything outside of the NFL, CFL picks as well. The Friday show focusing in on the week in the National Football League. So I won't spend too much time talking about the NFL, but we will do it at four o'clock on the Lock Shop. So we'd love to see you join us at that point. Um, Remote. Uh, speaking of uh, contests, where are we at with the uh, with the DraftKings for the weekend? I'm just looking mm-hmm. upcoming. Uh, the one spot left in the CFL contest. So uh, if you could jump in on that and nine spots left in the NFL, not really worried about NFL. We'll have plenty of time to fill that before Sunday, Uh, but we do have CFL action tonight. We do need one more spot and allow me Remus to bury Horowitz myself with the big pat on the back after a big return to the winner's circle in last night's Winnipeg sports talk hockey DraftKings contest. I'll say this. I was due. I hadn't done a lot of winning lately. Well done. Yeah. It seems like if you're playing DraftKings,
3: um, just take Connor McDavid and figure it out because he's been unbelievable. I've been taking him. I I stacked uh, dry in that lineup that I put in our contest and uh, he got a big fat zero, which is amazing considering they scored five goals and everyone else got in on them. But yeah, congrats to you. Uh, we do have yeah, we do have the uh, CFL one go rent it tonight. Thirty nine of forty. So one more person get in. And we usually do uh, and hockey. Um, on the nights that the Jets play or Tuesday, usually Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays for sure. And if they play on the other day, we'll, we'll do that. So we've been doing 30 people on the hockey. We've been filling those easily. You just have to make sure to check under leagues. And if anyone isn't signed up and wants to be signed up, we can get you a link that gets you uh, $20. Yeah, you the big
2: guys last night, well, McDavid was ridiculous. He had two mm-hmm. goals, and assist. He had 29.3 points. Nuge was big he had three assists he was Mm 24.3 uh but the guy that won it for me and i was the only guy that picked them was uh markstrom with the shutout against detroit 33 points so uh anyways that was nice to get a little bit of success um all right while we finish up getting all the entries in if you're just popping in and you want to join us it's exclamation mark marbles we'll get you all in on the marble race um did you see any jet dog burgers last night at the game room uh, yeah. And just
3: want to give everyone a shout out too. make sure you're subscribed to the channel. If you're entering in the marble race.
2: Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. If you haven't already, sorry, I should yeah, have mentioned that. I put up the, make thing. sure you, 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 the, the red you just see yeah, a perfect little, uh, icon that we've got now on Winnipeg sports mm-hmm. talk, red subscribe button. Um, make sure you're subscribed to be into the marble race. Yeah. And, uh, of course tell a friend about Winnipeg sports talk as well. So cool. I saw a bunch of people at the game last night, a couple people that knew me, a couple people saying, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And, uh, found out, oh, wow, this daily sports talk is still happening in Winnipeg. Yeah, right here. One o'clock every day on YouTube in your podcast feed in and around 3 p.m. Uh, Mikey Go Jets Go did send us a picture of the top dog last night, and his report was it was elite. Uh, I did not eat at the game last night. I did have a few beers, and I will say, uh, shout out to the Jets. I think this is maybe a bit of a long time coming, but they certainly are working hard to try to you know, maintain the season ticket base. Um, that twenty five percent discount card for season ticket holders for beer, popcorn, fountain pop, water—that was a real nice ad. And uh, you know, I talked to a few people that took advantage of it last night. Very easy to do. And uh, you know, if you're having a few, you can save you know 10, 15 bucks if uh, if you're really getting after it or buying for a couple folks. So uh, that was a real nice addition. Uh, I know you were in season tickets last night. Did you did you use the card Rem? My dad used it and got a um, got a what's it called?
3: popcorn and a drink and uh, he used it I tried using it on one of the new craft beers they had but uh, apparently it's not eligible you can only use it on domestic beers I'm like well these beers are made domestically come on can't you throw me a bone here and uh, no that that didn't work so uh, I did enjoy I did enjoy the fancy beer I had Uh, I didn't try the tot dog I was pretty full from uh, the dinner I had so uh, I will make it a mission I said I was going to and uh, I failed I failed everyone I'm sorry
2: well, uh, uh, Nicole J said the top dog was A plus. That is absolute. I'm going to be definitely hitting that one. Uh, uh, hitting that one up uh, maybe, uh, maybe tomorrow. Um, uh, Layton asking Hus, which game am I going to at six o'clock Saturday? You know, I mean, I've got my season tickets for the Jets. I've got a ticket for the Bombers. Um, I know my folks are in the same position as season ticket holders for both that are trying to d- decide. Uh, it's going to be a game time decision. We'll kind of see who can use my other seats. But as I said, now I'm getting triggered again. It's just a BS choice or decision that fans are going to have to make. And unfortunately, we're going to have to do the same damn thing in two weeks for November 6th. And I think it'll really hurt the Bombers because at that point, all the focus is going to be on the West final on the 5th of December. So um, so uh, a- anyways, I- I'm hoping that the crowds aren't, Hurt too much for both, but you know I think we've got a real struggle going on right now to try to fill buildings, uh, you know, industry wide. Um, so, anyways, this a little unnecessary, not fair to the fans, but we've talked a lot about that yeah. uh, so Spe- far this week.
3: Speaking of that, um, the Jets game wasn't a sellout yesterday. They announced at like thirteen eight 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 or something around there, thirteen eight hundred. Um, I think that's kind of consistent with what other Canadian arenas uh, have been. Um,
2: not. Not selling yeah. out. Well, it's the least just... the least didn't sell out any of their mm-hmm. first three games. The Habs had yeah. five thousand empty seats for their second game of the year, and I mean, it's a, it's a concern, and maybe more so here because we have such a small population. We sort of lean on people to be there, and you know, it's unfortunate that some people have sort of decided to to give up their tickets. Hopefully, we'll get back to a full building night in and night out. Right now, but you know, we're not there, and obviously, we're still in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Not to mention. I'm um, not going to get into the whole vaccine stuff, but I mean, there are still people that are hesitant or have resisted getting it and they can't go. So um, all of that's conspiring to be a very difficult situation right now for filling the building. Uh, but hopefully we'll get some great crowds for the rest of the season, some big wins and uh, most importantly, good times with our friends back at the arena or the stadium for both of the teams here in, uh, in Winnipeg. All right, Reem, you want to finish up the, uh, you want to finish up the, um, to close the contest and get her ready to go. Yeah, and we did have someone ask how to sub on
3: iPhone. Uh, Close the chat, and then all your options to like and subscribe come up. So that's to everyone out there watching on iPhone. Make sure you close the chat, and then you can pick. And I believe the subscribe button will be next to our name. So, yes, the chat covering up all those valuable buttons that help this channel grow. So thank you, everyone, for your support. We're 176 likes, according to my my tracker here, oh, 183 now. So it's perfect. perfect. Close yeah, to two. let's get
2: that up to two bills for today. If you're uh, if you're in with us, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and put in exclamation mark marbles to get in for the world famous Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. All right, Remo, close the chat, get everything ready for the marble race, and I will now do. It's been a little while since we've done an unboxing, and I have been waiting for. I believe what this item is. As I said, I haven't opened it yet. Uh, I made my first ever eBay purchase, and I know Remus is a big eBay guy. I am not, uh, but I had to get an account to purchase this. Taylor, you're going to love this. Here we are, opening it up inside my thing. How about this, folks? The Logan Stanley Young Guns card. Last year's Upper Deck Extended So they did the Upper Deck Series 1, Upper Deck Series 2. Stanley wasn't in either. And then they did this extra set, which I don't think had a huge amount of um, uh, distribution. But this is the Logan Stanley rookie card. So uh, I threw it down. Had to get Big Stan in the collection. So, Taylor, there you are. You can look it up online. I know you're jealous right now. Everyone is. Big Stan added to the collection. Logan Stanley of the Winnipeg Jets. That is not going to be in the marble race. This is a personal personal heirloom. I'll take this one to the grave uh, going forward. All right, Dyson Tichar, how much I want. It's a 10 mint. I don't know. No, it's not graded. How's um, the corners? What's the centering like? We want to know the Corners, details. excellent centering. You know, it, it is, it's a near mint, 9.95. That's what we'll go with. Mint, near mint, 9.5. The Logan Stanley Young Guns Winnipeg Jets card. Uh, all right, are we ready to do some uh, <laughs> Taylor? I knew you'd love that. Um, all right, are we ready to do some marbles for
3: Canadian Club Remus? I'm firing it up, and I've made so we've had some issues with losing frame rate the last couple ones, and I've tried to do what I can. I guess we just have too many marbles on the track, but we're gonna make it. Uh, we're gonna make it go.
2: Perfect, perfect. All right. Well, thanks to everyone that entered. A big thanks to Canadian Club, a good luck to everyone to win one of these Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies, uh, as well as a secondary prize, which, to be honest, is right there with the main prize of the I Love Rye package, including some of the good stuff. The official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club. All right, Owen Loney card has tripled in value since you touched it. last yeah, that's right. Joey Panks, Fridays are for marbles, absolutely. Uh, and then <laughs> this man didn't buy one for Taylor, and then she showed it and put away me, 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 me. Ah, lots of lots of fun with the Logan Stanley card. Taylor again, president of the uh, Big Stan fan club and a mainstay here in the chat. All right, oh. Commish, let's do this. Christopher Met says we
3: have an update in a while. The Molson cup and the Howard Chuck option is up to nine 49. If you're looking for a new cereal bowl. ooh,
2: yeah. If that thing, if that thing doesn't get above a grand, I'm getting it. I've mm. already worked. I've already worked out a a, a sponsorship deal with DQ Nick. We're going to be making blizzards and stuff in the uh, ice cream oh sundaes in the if Molson we had Cup
3: it. going forward. Man, if we <laughs> had <at> it. <laughs> Imagine if we had Howard Chuck's Molson Cup. Oh, okay. Uh, all we'll right, to, we're getting up to that.
2: three, so let's do this and uh, get on. Don't forget Lock Shop coming up in one hour from now. Uh, what's our course today, Reem?
3: I picked the funnel here, and we'll do this new fancy uh, stinger that I have. I don't know if anyone noticed it today, but we're trying to up up the production value and and i'm i'm not going to be on i'll just be you Hus, because um issues but here here we go we're going in whoa (laughs) no just kidding
2: (laughs) (laughs) that that wasn't that was a nice transition (laughs) all right for the canadian club winnipeg sports talk hoodie second prize the i love rye package including some delicious canadian club It's another edition of the Friday Marble Race to finish up Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Shout out to everyone that entered. We are going into the funnel, and this marble race is officially on. Let's go.
3: All right. I'm going to start this thing. Let's go. How's it looking? Is it? it Great
2: crew. Lots of marbles. 124 people in today. There will be two winners. First place with the hoodie. Second place is going to be for the See, I Love Rye package.
3: I don't know why it's a little, it's a, it, it's a it, little, uh, little choppy. Like it looks fine for me. I'm so confused. Let me get rid of your video, maybe. I don't, I don't know. There's too many marbles.
2: <laughs> so That's it is. We're gonna do. Hopefully, we're not going to have to limit the amount of marbles. No, no, no. It is very Leighton Janice. Yeah, where is Kabilis? Kabilis is usually dropping wrestling moves on uh, everyone else in the chat. Okay, so how far. Now? I lowered the quality. Okay. Uh, like, we're seeing it right now. Bryce Unger, Schickster's in. Man, Schickster just had a win a couple weeks ago. Let's see if she can be the, uh, he can be the guy. Going back to back. Yeah, Although I, I think Schickster already won. It was Schickster was the, the first winner of the hoodie, if I'm not mistaken. May have to get him the I Love Rye package if he wins. Bryce Unger, right there. Schickster... Looking good. They are clearly ahead right now. Uh, the Yakman's in the mix, but right now it is sort of a two-horse race with Bryce Unger and the Schickster. Uh, J.P. Miron's making a move right now, and then a big, big pack all jostling to get back up to the guys right up at the front. Bryce Unger and Schickster continuing to set the pace. J.P. Miron a strong third right now trying to track down the leaders. Um, oh, it looks like JP, actually, I think, has now taken... Oh, there's a hole. Now, everything's getting crazy right now. JP is in the front. Delta Blues. Winnipeg Walter just got eliminated over the top rope. What do we got here,
3: Reem? Yeah, we got Les Thompson. He's in first, and we met him at the Boston Les! Pizza.
2: He's got oh, a big Les lead here. Les is a Winnipeg sports talk legend. Met Les used to come and hang out when I was doing Monday night footballs down at the pint. He'd be a big, a big fan favorite. And he was down there when we did the live lock shop at BP as well. So uh, mm. yeah, Les is a bit of a fan favorite. Let's see if he can make it happen. Right now to the end. This is coming right down to the finish. Could it be Les? Les is the winner at a boy. And Ryan Fox, I believe, is officially. Is that is that official, Ryan?
3: Yes, Les Tomset 1, Ryan Fox 2. And I'll have to um, figure out this frame rate issue as we as we increase the number of marbles. When we had like 70 marbles or 50 marbles, it was pretty easy. But now there's like, uh, this was a record marble age, 124, and the frame rate, just my computer can't handle it. So we'll have to look into that.
2: Hmm, interesting or maybe we can start cranking it out on mine uh bottom line is yeah. excellent race less a wst legend winning the hoodie pumped for you less and ryan fox congratulations to you my friend you have an i love rye package from canadian club including some of the good stuff the cc um so less let's just hit me with a dm i will get this over to you um and Ryan if you want to uh, just let us know how we can hook up uh, send us a dm uh if you want on Instagram or on Twitter and I'll make sure you can come by we'll have everything ready for you to uh, to pick up uh man it's been a great week of shows thanks to everyone for joining us and again a big thanks to Canadian Club another chance to win one of these sweet hoodies coming up I guess I'm not really doing a very good job of showing it off here uh one of these hoodies coming up next week on Friday's program And in the meantime, uh, enjoy one of those delicious CC and Gingers or Pepsi tomorrow at the Bomber Game. Of course, it is available throughout Investors Group Field. And uh, if you're not lucky like Ryan Fox, who won a bottle, you can always pick it up over at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, A big thanks to Ed Tate for joining us. A big thanks to Murata Tesh. Uh, Don't forget, Lock Shop coming up, uh, also sponsored by Cool Bet. If you do want to bet this weekend and you haven't before, At CoolBet.com, use the promo code WST. They'll double your initial bonus up to $200 if you want to do that. Dusty and I will get into all of the NFL action for the upcoming week. Coming up one hour from now, right around 4 o'clock. Check my Twitter feed at Hustlerama for the link. And, uh, of course, a big thanks to all of our sponsors. Culligan Water, uh, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Manitoba Battery. I'm actually going to pop by and say hi to Donnie and the guys at Manitoba Battery in just a few minutes. Uh, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, ooh, 1919 time. You know the weekend is here. Boston Pizza, not AutoCorp. Our friends at Canadian Club and, of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great weekend. Whether you're at the Jet Game tomorrow night, whether you're at the Bomber Game tomorrow night, whether you're setting up shop at Boston Pizza and watching both, have a great time. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about a 500 hockey team on Monday. And the Western Division champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, if the teams can get it done tomorrow night. Uh, Don't forget, Moose Home Opener tonight. If you haven't already, fire me a message at Hustleram on Twitter. I'll pick a winner for four great seats for the game tonight if you can go and can use them. And other than that, shout out to Remus for the great job this week and everyone joining in the chat. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And on the weekend, do us a favor. Tell a friend that doesn't know about Winnipeg Sports Talk about how they can get all Winnipeg Sports Talk content every day right here on WST via podcast or, of course, on YouTube. Folks, have a great weekend. We'll be back at it Monday afternoon, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home!
1: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily.